Brock Lesnar could be coming back to WWE and Triple H is teasing some big plans for after WrestleMania. Find out more by searching Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Showtime, folks! This is where the big boys play, huh? Woo! And look at Goldberg! He's ready! Oh, yeah! It's going to be the biggest battleground in the history of our sport. To the top of the ramp, to the edge of our hearts, welcome to the Cultaholic Classic Nitro Review. We are back once again in 1996, watching every episode of Nitro until the end of one of our ends. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter with that portfolio, Tom Campbell, along with resident WCW kid, Sam Driver. All right. This is as good as my voice has sounded since before <laughs> Saturday. Yeah, you blew it out on Saturday, didn't you? North Thunderstruck took my mm. voice. And it took it. It beat you up, left you in an alleyway in Walker, oh. and it took your voice from you. And it's just been rubbing it in your face ever since. Every single time I do a ring announcing, I go, I'm going to really look after my voice. I'm going to yeah. do all the right things. I was, I had, I had Jakeman's sweets all night long. Yeah. I drank roughly eight pints of water, took ibuprofen, woke up the next day. Oh, Did fuck. you have any lean? Any lean? Yeah. Well, just, I, I, was, just, I was off just, to the right side. Just like sack off all of the actual stuff. Just get all the cough syrup and, and make a cup of lean. Ooh. Um, I, it's really dangerous. But if you just drink loads of it, people that you see videos of drinking, it seems like they're having a really good time. <laughs> and I bet it gives you a really smooth, buttery voice. Oh. And it's purple. Oh, gosh. This sounds make exciting. Make sure you've got a styrofoam cup, though, because that's the only way to drink lean. <laughs> I'm now going to Google <laughs> lean and see what sort of nightmare I'm getting myself in for. But what a night Saturday was. Yeah, team. it was an absolute blast. It was great oh. to see North like seven years in, uh, absolutely killing it in a dome show. A dome show. <laughs> the Walker Dome. Massive crowd, you know, um, strong series of imports, a, a lot of homegrown talent. Um, and it just, yeah, a lot of memorable matches, a lot of memorable moments. And it feels like North have kind of arrived at the next level in their journey. I'm really excited to see where it's going to go for them moving forward. I'll tell you something that I keep thinking when I think about the show, and it sounds very arrogant to yeah. say so. It felt like a night where the good guys won. What I kept thinking during the show was, how handsome is that ring announcer? I thought that's wow. what you were going to say. I thought that's actually I mean... what you were going to say. <laughs> I got a bit, I got a bit emotional at the start. It's not surprising, mate. You've been with North for a very long time. Yeah, and I've retired and come back and retired and come back. Yeah, and, forever, uh, forever. The Terry Funk of Northeast forever. Ring announcing. But honestly, <laughs> I stood on the ramp with nearly 800 people there, biggest crowd yeah. we've ever drawn. Just uh, first person out for the night, and it just, just took my breath away a bit. Yeah, just not, it was just a great night. Pyro LED screen, the works. One thing I would like, and you'll watch this, and, and Bowers won't mind me saying this, and we love, we love you, Andrew, and thank you for everything. Um, one thing I'd like for the next Walker Dome show, can we have a little marker for where to stand on the stage? Because I think multiple wrestlers had their eyebrows blown off by Pyro because they weren't quite <laughs> yeah, sure where to stand, Ooh. myself included. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, it's just you know, moving forward. It'll Rowan, be fine. Yeah, it's yeah. time, a minutiae of a thing yeah. on what was a... Fucking fantastic night. Plus, you kind of, you know, you might give you a little kind of, little bit of, just a little bit of charring, I guess. Just yeah. Just give you a nice, nice sort of bit of char. Battle scars. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's 
basically what we had. Thanks for coming along. If you missed it, it'll be on Fight TV in a bit. Get it watched. Get it watched. It's great. It looks so good. Anyway, we can't talk about that because we're in 1996. Uh, and Sam Driver's with me in 1996. How are you, though, sir? Yeah, all right. Yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm just sort of trying to... Uh, just trying to, to just, just, just get my crap back together. Crap, what am I doing? Get my shit back together. You can fucking I'm just swear on this. I'm just sort of, yeah, just, just kind of like, so I've, uh, I'm, I'm taking driving lessons. Nice. I'm drinking less. I am trying to drink more water. I'm trying to do constructive things with my time rather than just, I'm just going to watch and do the same things I always <laughs> do and get a bit drunk. So I, I'm just, yeah, trying to get my shit together and then, uh, save a bit of money and then I'm gonna gonna get my bike repaired and I'm gonna just get back on the health train a bit good for you yeah good for you it's a bit it's a bit kind of you know you, 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 it gets, gets difficult but it's sort of like you know the first week and a bit and then but let's right. manifest you know we're manifesting yeah. by talking about stuff like this on here yeah. manifesting manifested it it's nice so I'm excited for your journey what was something about your first driving lesson back that uh, oh fuck me I I had driving lessons like 10 years ago 15 years ago or something and uh yeah I uh it just sort of I was like if you put me on a straight road I know I can change gears and I know I can still drive a car uh but it's sort of the the car I'm learning is different to any car I've driven before uh, and so it's just sort of like, what the fuck? Uh, but I'm, I'm just kind of, it, it's, it's, it's for whatever reason. I was fine with it in the past, but for whatever reason, my brain just fucking farts out completely at corners at the minute when I've got to mm. sort of break and change gear and do all that shit. My brain's like, do it all at once. And it's like, <laughs> 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 let's just, <laughs> let's just fucking slow things down a bit. Uh, so yeah, I've got to kind of just get, get used to multitasking, uh, which is, yeah. So I've got to kind of, Clean my brain up, focus more, be more present, which is kind of hard when you're always just off in the clouds. So. I think, yeah, <laughs> it's one thing that we all forget to do. Yeah. Which is be, which when you've got lots of things going on, is being in the moment. Yeah, you, you do like mindfulness exercises. There's a mindfulness exercise for you all out there. Uh, <laughs> it's not the way I thought this was going to go. We, we can uh, do that you can, now. That's a great well, idea. Mindfulness exercise, you, uh, you, we can't do it now because it'll take 10 whole minutes. But when you get in from work, before you do anything else, just kind of take, if you've got to feed the cat, feed the cat, whatever. Just just take care of what you've got to take care of. And then find a nice comfortable chair, both feet flat on the floor, sit upright, palms on your lap or upright on your lap. Masturbate. Close your eyes. Sorry. Not masturbate. Not masturbate. Not quite meditate either. But uh, just take stock. Take stock of your day. Think about what happened, you know, what you enjoyed about the day, what you didn't enjoy about the day. Just try and be present. Uh, and it's similar when you're in a stressful situation. Just sort of focus on the things around you. You start counting things and just going, oh, there's like four trees over there and there's seven angry people in front of me and one pool cue. And you can, you know, just sort of uh, take stock of everything. It means that you're kind of, you're more present. It's a grounding set. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who's often just off in my own head worrying about everything, uh, even stuff I can't control. And then it just balloons into massive stuff like, well, what if... What if like, what if it all kicks off and and it all goes like crazy uh, in the global sphere uh, with everything that's going on at the minute? And then my brain will just go off on one, and I'll just sit in my brain like all night, mm. dooming away. Because because you know, not knowing what you have going on, going on outside of the dooming away. Yeah, there is. I often when we I get quite I get stressed about stuff and Alex is stressed about stuff. But you just yeah. you have to take stock and go right. No, it it's all fixable. 
Like, yeah. This isn't this isn't the end of the world. It's, it's the thing I need it might to be. <laughs> because it's like I love games, but I barely play games. Uh, so I'm trying to play games a bit more that are not related to wrestling. I'm trying to because that's one thing as well. I've been doing this nearly ten years, Tom. Mm. So like I've been doing wrestling content since 2016. So when when your hobbies and when the things you're passionate about become your every day. You, it gets hard to kind of stay on top of it in a healthy way. So I've got to try and make time for other stuff before making time for wrestling when I get in. Because it's kind of like you get in from doing wrestling all day. Say you're doing a video about the 90s. And it's like, oh, shit, I'm behind this week. I've got to watch three more hours, four more hours of wrestling. I'll just watch it now. Sit down, watch it. And then you're just sort of in that one bubble. Uh, and it's kind of like you need to be able to just step out the bubble a little bit mm. and then get back into it in a healthy way. Because otherwise, I'll just end up being like, oh, no, I could just, I could just sit up till two in the morning just doing, just doing this bit of Blender and just fucking around and doing this. And So I'm trying to you know, get back to things like writing. Um, and I'm trying to get back to things like just other creative pursuits that I want to take up and the other ideas I've got. That aren't, yeah, but just in like personal time, you know, just sort mm. of like, you know, if I've got time to sit and write away at a script, I'll sit and write away at it. Um, and then if I have to take time down the line to make the thing, I'll take the time off. But it's just one of those things where I need to just just be more present, just be more broad and more mindful. I think what you're suggesting there is something we can all Stand to do a little bit. Yeah. Be more present. And I'm trying to eat less shit. Yeah. Just less in general, actually. More <laughs> coffee, more water, less food. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, too much coffee is a, is a thing. Yeah, I, I try and not I, to, I think not I'll, to do that I'll have as many as two or three cups a day. That's it. But I, I like energy drinks as well. So what that's you, something I've got to knock on the head big time. I mean, what you could do with is a drink that gives you a lot of nutrients and protein like bovril beer but the problem is i'm <laughs> trying to cut down on my drinking because it's like it's not like it's problem drinking well you can just have a bovril bovril yeah than a bovril it's more beer. like do you, you ever just boredom boredom drink boredom bovril where you just have like you just sat playing a game or something that's like oh there's a fucking a couple of freezing cold cans in the fridge oh. see alex and i we have always yeah. had that where we would boredom snack and boredom eat and boredom drink yeah so we just don't keep snacks and this beer. is it so i've got in the house right now i've got vegetables i've got rice i've yeah. got ramen uh and i have a very very depressing fridge with a half block of parmesan cheese in it <laughs> 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 and a couple of bottles of water chilling oh. off. That's it. But you can't board and drink if there's no drink. Well, that's it. Yeah, you know. Or you can't really mix rum with water, can you? It just tastes foul. You, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I think one day Alex went, can we put and gin I'm not and a Diet pirate. Coke I don't together? have any. I don't have anywhere near enough um, handkerchiefs to be a pirate, so I can't just drink the rum straight. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Worth a try. Worth a try it. Try it when you get in. Pour yourself... <laughs> So I'm cutting down on drink. Yeah, we'll do the just pirate drink drinking. Just Let's drink, do it. Just, just drink it straight and neat. It's fine. <laughs> Pour yourself a lovely glass of bovril rum and water and listen to us go back to 1996, where number one in the movie world in the US was Independence Day. I could just, just fucking yes. Yeah. We're about to have an Independence Day of our own, Tom. We are, aren't we? Fucking disclosures being being brought in front of US Congress. Now, you messaged me yeah. last night. Congress are going to try and force the Pentagon to unveil all of the and the new terminology is UAP everybody <laughs> UFO UFO's been sullied so it's unidentified aerial phenomena or something or unidentified anomalous phenomena but they uh somebody's come forward who's like highly credible um and he's he's like a long running history with the US government um and you know has a lot of people vouching for how honorable this person is uh, with a legal firm as well they're not just coming forward on their own as a whistleblower but they uh they claim that the US has recovered objects not of this earth 
that they've been taking them apart and trying to understand how they work in secret for a very long time. And they're like, it's time for the people to know. Now, we know that some, so we're just going to get blue balled again. You know, it's, they're never going to fucking admit to it. But even if they were just like, I think because it's, it's like, you know, there's, there's, oh, people can't handle it. So I think if right now, with everything going on in the world, if you're aliens are real, everybody just be like, well, yeah. Uh, but also at the same time it's kind of like uh i don't know it, it's sort of what if what if the truth's horrible what if we're just like we are the sims what if we are just like a zoo and there's no point to anything i mean yeah that's just something horrible what if about. what if we live in a period of time where there's absolutely no chance of furthering it we've got to wait for you know millions more years before anything goes further than we are now I think we'd, you know, we'd still make wrestling videos about what if the top 10 wrestlers what if called Alan. What if we've taken all of this technology and, and sat on it for years, but really, you know, it's existed for thousands of years, Tom? What if, what if the PS6 is sitting somewhere buried in a desert in Egypt? Are you suggesting to me that there's a very strong chance that Jesus Christ played Donkey Kong 64? Yeah. I like that in the universe. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I, I'm kind of, I'm, the, I'm in and the around the, the fun conspiracy. But that, but that creates questions in itself because surely the presence of aliens, and I don't want to get too deep, I don't want to ruffle any feathers here, and it's just a general question. Surely the existence of aliens brings into question a lot of religious well, content. The Pope's already got out in front of it. Oh, is he good uh, lad? <laughs> a while back, the, the Pope basically said, Pope, mate, go out and say Pope this. basically said, well, if there are aliens, it means God made them too. So I, I think it, it's it's one of those things where he, I don't think it's actually going to change a lot unless it's just this big global thing and they pop up and they go, yeah, you're all actually just like sea monkeys. That's what you are. You're just in a big jar. That's why you can't see that far. You know, you can only see so far or whatever. Um, and this is why there's just all of these universal rules, but you exist in a big fish tank in space. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't. It's like, well, is, there anybody, nice is there anybody still. else around? Can we hang out with all of the other groups of yeah. planets or whatever? If that became the reality, I honestly, I, I wouldn't be mad. Because yeah. I'm still having a nice time. Well, that's it. Yeah, you know. cool. I, it's, it's, I think it'll force us all to live more, uh, just for the sake of living. Yeah, I think. Yeah. It, I think it will. I mean, crime might go up, uh, <laughs> but if we once we once crime gets boring, but then. But, but what if it's like? <laughs> all right. But what if it's like the aliens just want nothing to do with us? What if to us, like to to them, we're literally sea monkeys? So they're just like eh, inconsequential. Just let, just let them crack on. Yeah, just we're we doing... we have no time for this. We're not mm. going to deal with you. We're not going to do anything. We're too busy doing amazing things. Yeah, like making Tetris five D. <laughs> <laughs> I like. What and I what if they are what interdimensional? What if they're not? What if they're not? <laughs> is I saw your brain then because you went. They're making Tetris five, and then you realised five wasn't that impressive on the Tetris number sphere. <laughs> so you went D. Well, they made Tetris forty, didn't they? <laughs> was that the top-down Tetris? <laughs> Wait, it was Tetris fucking five, impossible. D. You had to fill out this like this this cube you could only see from above oh. with like three D Tetris shapes. Is it called Tetris sphere? I, I can't on remember. The, on the there was N64. also Wetrix, which had nothing oh, yeah. to do with Tetris. It was it was weather and cloud themed yeah, you, puzzles. Yeah, sort of like you had to use liquid to sort of balance or make the map change shape or whatever into a certain shape. It was, it was a great sh way of showing how our sea monkey colony continues to recreate water. Exactly. The aliens watch over what us. What happens if there's a power spike and it all goes off though? What all the power in this in the in the aquarium that we what live in? What happens if it's a loop? I always thought it'd be interesting if like what if the sun is a lamp? Well, you, know, you know when you like look into the universe and it looks a bit like a cell, 
at like microscopic level. Yeah. Yeah. Like what if what if you just pull out and and you keep pulling out of the universe and then it's just a, another bigger version of it. And then as you pull out again, it's just a bigger version of it. So like all of the, <laughs> what we see as these huge, massive clouds of dust in space and everything, that's all just molecules. And then you pull out and it's just a bigger version of the universe and, and all, a bigger version of the universe. And we're all on a snowflake like the Grinch. So you could infinitely zoom in and just see the same thing over and over again. So it just, it just constantly, constantly... And then you die and you just move on to the next level. And you just repeat the same thing. I mean, there would be reassurance in that, in knowing that, okay, once you die, you go, okay, all right, you're in the next bit yeah. now. Like, you can meet some of the aliens if you want before you carry on. Yeah, I didn't like nice. Lou Elizondo, who used to be the head of ATIP. I didn't like his... Um, that's the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. Um, he he was like he said it's equivalent to and take this with a fucking like truck full of salt is that it's equivalent to uh, finding a Boeing seven four seven in King Tut's tomb. It's that level of thing that we're talking about. And it's like if it was that exactly, it'd worry me because it's kind of getting close to Scientology. Because it was like, it was like <laughs> the fucking Zeno with his DC-12 jets brought all of these aliens to Earth. And it's like, okay, they look just like DC-10 jets. And we all laughed. And then what if we just dig up a DC-12 jet or whatever in the desert? And it'll be like, oh, God. Didn't they find something recently, like a hat, like a, a pod that fell out of space that they haven't opened? Oh, I saw that. Yeah, it's Rita Repulsor's. It is Rita right? Repulsor, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad Finally! you thought. After 10,000 years. <laughs> Time to conquer Earth! What uh, it, I'm glad that you thought it was Rita Rapunzel. Fuck yeah, know. Rita Rapunzel. Rita Repulsor. Repulsa. Bandora the Witch, Tom. Rita Rapunzel's got the long hair. It's Bandora the Witch, technically, if you watch Super Sentai. Oh, well, I'm sorry for being Super Sentai Zero Ranger. Such a monster. <laughs> See, everything we talk about now from 1996, in comparison to that conversation, will seem inconsequential. But you know what? We'll just have to pepper in X-Files season updates as yeah. we go. Yeah. That's what we'll do. Since we're so we won't fucking... Um, Soul searching and getting your life in order straight to there's fucking aliens. There's fucking <laughs> aliens. And now you're all looking at me like I'm insane. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> and somewhere in there, Hulk Hogan just turned heel. And that's quite interesting. <laughs> yeah. Independence Day is at number one. That's where we left off. Mission Impossible is number one in the UK. <laughs> Talking to Scientology. Jesus. Oh, well, God. Yeah. I was Christ. expecting it to be more than that. I'll be honest with you. Mr. Miscavige's. Uh... Mr. Miscavige's. <laughs> Best friend. Where's your wife? Mission Impossible. Where's your wife, David? Now, the new one's out now. Yeah. I, uh, and I want to see it because I, uh, I, first one it didn't really gel with me until I was a bit older. Second one, loved it at the time, but it kind of aged horribly. Third one onwards, good. Like, third one's great, like getting a lot better. And then from Ghost Protocol, it's fucking amazing. Uh, it's, it's just like, what's he going to do this it time, finds- the madman? He's going to fly a train into space, but he's actually going to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's going to jump off the Burj Khalifa. Like, you've you got to go see Tom Cruise do mental shit. It's, they're wrapping it up, it feels like. Yeah, well, it's part one, and that, yeah. to me, dictates, you know, he's getting on a bit. Um, they've got to kind of wrap it up in a nice time and then go again. But they're going out in such a way, I think, where it's like they're, they're saying things like, you know, this is the highest level of production there's gone into anything for stunt coordination, um, like in history. So it's, it's like, I think they're going to go out with a massive bang and then maybe we'll get a reboot down the line. But they're going to be a very tough series to follow, the Tom Cruise Mission Impossibles. Brave to bring it out around Barbieheimer weekend. Yeah, I, I, I remember he was pissed off because obviously uh, Barbie and Oppenheimer have taken the majority of IMAX screens and Mission Impossible will probably have had stuff shot in IMAX format. So it's one of them kind of, 
awkward release window kind of mm. situations. But I think when you move out to places like China, they might have more large format screens, so it might do well. You know, we know it's going to do well over there anyway because they absolutely love the Mission Impossible series. So I, I think it's one of those where we're gonna um, we're gonna see you know just a massive massive amount of money maybe they'll do the second one if that does a massive amount of money then maybe we'll get a final 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 part but i i don't know now we've done mm. film criticism let's move on to music <laughs> criticism number one song in the u.s is tony braxton's you're making me high it's right. no one break my heart i'll be perfectly yeah. honest not it doesn't have the catchy longevity but it's still a banger yeah number one in the uk uh, a song that was de- that was determined by the university of amsterdam and manchester's museum of science and industry the catchiest song ever it wanna be by Spice Girls. It is wanna be by yeah. Spice Girls. Now, record Christ. labels actually wanted "Say You'll Be There" to be the debut single. I'm giving you everything. It's catchy. It. it is, but it's not fucking wanna be. But all five girls went, "No, it's gotta be wanna be, you pricks." Yeah, and they went, "All right, fine." And <laughs> lo and behold, we're catchy song and of all this time. This is gonna usher in the glorious age of Venga Boys. Oh, steps. Yeah. Like, we're going to have a very, very strange time on our hands soon, musically. And then we're going to have Britpop. Mm. Well, Britpop's kind of already boomed a little bit, hasn't it? Yeah. Now, the video was shot at the Midland Grand Hotel in central London, which you can still visit. Nice. Uh, It's become the St. Pancras Renaissance Hotel. But that famous staircase is still there. Yeah. Should you want to do that whole one-shot music video that they did? We should try one when we're in London next. Should we? Yeah. Just Just you doing all the parts. I can do that. (laughs) All good with that. Uh, it'd be yes. So one of the, the catchiest song of all time. Uh, participants who took part in the study at the University of Amsterdam said they identified the song in 2.29 seconds uh, due to Mel B's laugh at the start of the track. It's become an unforgettable dizzy. Nice. And of course, it is just a banger as well. You couldn't move for Spice Girls though. Like when they it were was, massive. Yeah, when it was fucking, took up all the road. When it, when it was like when it was the height of their popularity, it was just it was fucking insane. Mm. Like watching it from the outside as a little boy, I was just like, I don't. The music's catchy, but I just I don't get everybody so rabid about this. They either love them or hate them. Like I don't get. it. The passion was there. Like yeah. it was it was um it was the women's revolution, the deepest yeah. revolution of, of the well, pop music the, world. The, the whole girl power thing and girl yeah. power and all that shite, to quote Jerry Halliwell from Bo Select at that time. <laughs> Who were the very and it's funny when you look back and how um beauty standards have changed as well, because Jerry Halliwell was considered like the big the the large spice girl. It's, it's she wasn't yeah, that big. It's, it's a very, very, very odd time. Mm. Like, especially when it comes to, you know, personal beauty standards and yeah. stuff. And yeah, it's kind of, it's a very unhealthy time, the 90s, for that. Uh, who was your favorite Spice Girl? Was it Baby Spice, Sporty Spice, Scary Spice, Posh Spice? I like Mel C. Yeah. Mel C. Yeah, because she, she had a banging voice and she did the Brian Adams song. Ah, yeah. she did, When You're Gone. Yeah, which is just one of the fucking best songs I think that either of them ever were involved with. And that's saying something when it's Brian Adams. She's in our neck of the woods next month. Is she? They're doing Hardwick Live. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just Mel sing. Get her in for Nitro. <laughs> Mel. <clears throat> now, you want to do a bit of pr- PR no, for just, just, Hardwick Live? Just get Michelle Heaton to pull a favour for you. It'll <laughs> yeah. be grand. Oh, yeah. She'll get her in. My mate, Michelle Heaton. <laughs> From Liberty Actions. Can you give Mel C a ring? You can come in as well if you want, Michelle. What a weird episode of Nitro that would be. 
They can just chair it. We'll, <laughs> we'll leave. <laughs> I don't know. They might have opinions on Hulk Hogan's heel turn. <laughs> Imagine. It'll be amazing. So let us go to Nitro from this particular week in the year of our Lord, 1996. Now, going into this particular show, uh, WCW put on a massive uh, live event, a house show in Greenville, South Carolina, the final wrestling show at the Old Memorial Auditorium because they're tearing it down and opening a new one in Which, town. Can I just say this shit's criminal because I think they're about to do this to the Louisville Gardens as well because yeah. it's just it's all boarded up and it's just like the amount of land that is now just sitting there as essentially a car park for so many iconic classic wrestling venues from the territories. And I get it. The markets aren't exactly great anymore. There's bigger arenas and stadiums nearby. But f- fucking come on. Just just think of the history. And now you go and look at it and it's like, oh, it's a strip of derelict land. <laughs> that was everybody's hopes and dreams in that building. And now it's gone. <laughs> Sadly, nobody thought of the rich history within the building of the Memorial Auditorium because they had Randy Savage versus Ric Flair as the main event. Yeah. Ric Flair, basically, the auditorium is the house that Flair built. Yeah. A much older crowd turned out for the last wrestling show from there ever. And Ric Flair playing a heel and Savage playing a face. Not on that night. They booed the shit out of Savage and they cheered the shit out of Flair. is to be expected, which is why I guess it was like a house event. Um, but it's it sort of, you know, you, I think when it comes to big, important things like that and like memorial shows, all that should just go out the window mm-hmm. and you just kind of have that because they're not, they're hardly going to dictate the tastes for TV booing and jeering moving forward, maybe for the people that were in attendance, mm-hmm. but not for, you know, the wider public. It, you would yeah, it would have made sense to have been a bit more considerate of that. Yeah. But alas and alack, they weren't. Uh, house shows coming up. We're going to see Kevin Nash has got Hall finally on the road with WCW. Sting, but going, what do you mean? Well, they're they're outsiders. But they don't work for. Are WWF. they allowed to get on the tour bus? Apparently so. Well, why would they do that when they've got a limousine, Tom? <laughs> they might want to rest the limo's legs. That is true. It's been running a while. <laughs> Because it's a Flintstones limousine. <laughs> Getting driven the 20 meters into and out of the arena area at Disney, where we still are, because it's the Olympics, everybody. <laughs> yes! Now, one of the funniest things of this week is the fact that whoever works in logistics in WCW deserves a fucking shoe-in, <laughs> right? <laughs> Because they're running this... this... Just, that's, you could apply that to basically any year from this point <laughs> forward. And maybe a little bit beforehand, too. So they were running shows, they were running events with New Japan. Yeah. This same week, right? Yeah. Uh, they announced Rey Mysterio Jr. and John Tenter to be on Nitro. Yeah. Both were in Tokyo. Rey Mysterio Jr. scheduled to defend the Cruiserweight title against Brad Armstrong on the Nitro we're about to watch. However, they couldn't figure out the scheduling and they meant that they, they didn't know what they, they thought that, oh, if Ray gets on this flight from Tokyo, he'll be in Orlando for Nitro. And they completely fucked up in terms of the, the time difference between the two and went, yeah. oh no, shit, we can't get him there. You'll just have to cancel the match. They had John Tenter down, written down backstage to compete at Nitro. And they went, he's in Japan, you pricks. As if they couldn't just... Thought we hadn't seen him. As if they couldn't have just filmed a fun little vignette. Just grabbed, just paid for a quick camera crew to pop out. And just record those two on the street going into a bar and just oh. just getting a bit too drunk and then waking up late in some bins in and going, the- <laughs> oh no! And then you got a new tag team, you know, of like a little Tenter guy and a big and guy. Ray. Yeah. <laughs> Tentacle. Yeah. 
Tent stereo. Tent stereo. Tent array sounds like a, a type of deep sea manta style thing, doesn't it? Tent array. They've, bum, got, bum, bum. they've got scuba gear on. It's just some like big evil iron underwater like submarine thing. <laughs> Uh, this week, Mean Gene Oakland said, on the hotline, I'll reveal who the fourth member of the NWO is. You ring the hotline, he doesn't say anything. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Fucking Fuck shyster. you, give me your money. And we also, um, just because it is the Olympics, uh, Muhammad Ali was involved with the opening ceremony of the Olympics. Oh, he was. Uh, but you should just disregard all that shit because he was a WCW superstar first. He was here <laughs> yeah. reading something off. And he shook somebody's hand. He's ours, yes. you Olympic fucks. And in fact, we look, what's You that? Olympic fuck Turner, <laughs> who the fuck? You leaning, you, you lending out Muhammad Ali to the Olympics. What are the, what are the fuck? What are the Olympics got to do with Muhammad Ali? It's Sports, all... boxing. <laughs> and what Sam says is true, because we kick off Nitro. <laughs> we kick off Nitro this week, still live from Disney MGM. Yep. Because some of the, most of the, the band are still in Japan. So yep. they're like, we'll use all their infrastructure. Great. Um, Tony and Larry are indeed talking about the the opening of the Olympics in Atlanta and how Muhammad Ali lit the Olympic torch. And they went, hey, like Sam said, he was mine before he was yours, Randy. <laughs> and just we shot <laughs> Bishop, Bishop with his arm around. <laughs> with a, Bishop Ali. and Ali with a horse. <laughs> we, get, we get clips that... <laughs> We get clips from Halloween Havoc of Muhammad Ali being presented with a check from WCW for his charity. For which, that was it. And it was sort of like, it was touted like this whole thing. But I get, you know, it, it wasn't quite as harsh as I made it out to be, of course. It's but, all it is. It's, yeah. It is what wrestling promotions do all the time, which is bolt themselves to the yeah. cultural zeitgeist. Well, that's the thing is like, look, right. You've got him in the opening ceremony. It's a very big deal. It's everywhere. We've got a clip with him on our programming. Roll the fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Because that equates us to the Olympics now. Mm-hmm. Because he's been involved with that, he's been involved with us. So it sort of pulls you up to that level in the eyes of some fans. Not all fans, but in the eyes of some fans. It is very basic marketing. Yes. It's Al Snow's 60th birthday today. Of course I've shared the Desert Island Graps that he was on. It's Fantastic. basic Happy marketing. birthday, Al Snow. Happy birthday, Alan Sarvan. 60, he looks great for 60. I, just... I want to look like that at 40. And then, uh, yeah, it's just, you just, how, how, do, how, do, how do people look so in shape? They eat well and train. I know. <laughs> it's so he's just always annoying. Wearing, he's just always wearing those super skin tight collar and elbow shirts. And so if I wore that, I'd just look, look like I was like hamstrung <laughs> up in a butcher's window. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'll have to go and do a few more sit-ups. <laughs> yes. Oh, damn it. Uh, also, Shaquille O'Neal was part yeah. of, the, uh, of the news this week because he'd signed with the Lakers. So, cut to a clip of Shaquille O'Neal and red and yellow Hulk Hogan mm. hanging out a few months back at Nitro. It was Shaquille O'Neal who put the idea into Hulk's head, we will later find out, to start the NWO. Mm. Eric's just sat here going, look at Shaq, he's here. And he's, well, it's not even Eric, it's Tony. He's like, look, Shaq was here and, and, and that makes us on the same level as that news as well. Uh, but Shaq is leaning into Hogan's ear and Hogan just looks off into the middle distance. And he hands him a book called How to Be a Bad Guy in Wrestling. Yeah. If you, you blink and you miss it. And a pair of, um, of, of airbrushed lightning pants that just say Hollywood on them. <laughs> and a big muscle belt that says Hulkster on it. And NWO, even though it doesn't <laughs> exist yet. He, <laughs> and he's got this whole board with a storyline planned out for years. <laughs> and I, he's just pointing to it with one of those big general pattern style pointer things. He looks like him from Always Sunny. <laughs> <laughs> Pepe Sylvia. <laughs> Hogan's just slowly trying to edge away. He said, I've got you this T-shirt to make you 
like to, to make you part of the present of wrestling. It says now on it. It's like, oh, <laughs> shit. I got the letters the wrong way around. Oh, no. Well, you can wear it anyway if you want. <laughs> and that's how the NWO was formed. Tony and Larry kicking us off, bolting WCW into the cultural zeitgeist. But tonight, we have the answer from the Giants. Will he accept the challenge from Hulk Hogan for Hog Wild? He's going to say no. Imagine if he does. I mean, why would you say yes? Larry Zabisco says the Dungeon of Doom will force his arm. As if, like, the Giants going to go, no. They're all, like, half his height. <laughs> They all stand on each other's shoulders. <laughs> they don't have Tenter anymore. They've got <laughs> kind of Bubba by association. But like, no, nah, I, I think I think the Giants going to level them up. What's Sullivan going to do? Get the golden spike. It'll be halfway up his ass before he even pulled it out of his pocket. <laughs> that golden spike going halfway up your ass. <laughs> you have to pay for that. And he throws him into the pool of water and Sullivan's rolling around. It's like, it's not hot. It's not hot. <laughs> but steam's coming off him. <laughs> to the ring for our opening contest. It's Squire David Taylor versus Scott Norton. With Jeeves on With Taylor's Jeeves. side. Uh, Norton tells Ice Train down the camera, it's me and you at Hogwild, baby. Yeah, because Norton and Ice Train had, uh, if you missed last week, Norton and Ice Train had a bit of a falling out. So Fire and Ice were in a match. And then it kind of, there was a miscommunication. Ice ended up splashing Fire. It cost them the match. <laughs> went fire out. got a bit fiery. It got a bit angry. Teddy Long pops up for some reason, like, break it up, guys. You're a great tag team. I don't want to see you split up like so many so many promising young tag teams do. Sticks to keep it together. And Norton just shoves him over. And then Ice is like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. And now Norton's on a warpath. He is indeed. And the match is set for Hogwild. Tony Schiavone confirms it and everything. Uh, Norton manhandles Taylor until Taylor does, dodges a corner splash. And in a rage, Norton throws David Taylor over the top rope. And ding, 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 ding. It's a fucking DQ because we still have those old fucking school cowboy rule bullshits. Whereby just, just wait for the next match. Just wait for the next match. Over the top it, rope it, it, means DQ. I feel like this was a misstep. You fuck it. It's 1996, Tom. <laughs> Not, 1996. Over the top. I get, you know, it's a tradition. It, it, it's maybe, you know, it's something where we look at things now and we go, well, world title needs to be on last. You know, it can't be anything but the world title on last. That's a tradition people still kind of hold mm. near and dear, or some people at least. Uh, but maybe it was one of those things where it's like, well, you know, over the top ropes of disqualification. And then eventually it was like, shut up. And then it all just sort of changed. But it's kind of, yeah, it's a, it feels a bit arcane. <laughs> and it just, it just ruins the momentum of the match. Yeah. Not that Scott Norton's bothered. But he, I think that's the thing. is it, it doesn't matter to Norton. Norton's not here to, no. he, you know, you know he's going to run through Taylor because of where Taylor's positioned on the card at the minute. You know that he's full of fire because his name's literally Fire and his tag team, Fire mm. and Ice. And you know he's going to just, he doesn't really care. He's there to put on a show and he's there to beat somebody up. Ref raises Dave Taylor's hand outside the ring to show that he won by DQ. Yeah. And then Norton walks off in a huff. <laughs> what a waste of time. The ring announcer should be like, in the shittest way possible, <laughs> Dave Taylor picks up the victory, folks. <laughs> in the shittest way possible, Dave Taylor <laughs> should win. Just a golf clap. Just, <laughs> just <politeness>. <laughs> Into break. VK Wall Street knows international markets and superstars. Conan, you're the kingpin of Mexico, but tonight you're in for a hostile takeover. B 
business. VK Wall Street in action in a minute. But Mean Gene is ringside after the break. They don't turn his microphone on for ages. It's hilarious. They've got a bit of a get out, which which I like as well. But yeah, there's there's a fair few technical problems mm. throughout the night involving microphones. He's at the Horseman's banquet table uh, with the Horseman Sans <laughs> Flair. They're facing Lex Luger, Randy Savage, and Sting tonight. And Arn says that Rick likes to make an entrance, and he'll be here right on time for their match tonight. Mongo enjoyed taking care of a few pretty boys, and now he can get at the real pretty boys in Macho Luger and Sting. Benoit tells his opponents they'll experience the crippler firsthand tonight. Silent but violent, horseman. I think... I think and our, then, Mean Gene and said. Then, I think Mean Gene said to Benoit, "Oh, where's Flair?" And Benoit just went, "I'm going to beat you up tonight." That's not the question I asked, but okay. And then, yeah, Gene asks Mongo for a banana, <laughs> and then Mongo gets the banana, and he goes, "You're going to hit him with it." And, and Gene proper goes like, <laughs> "I like that." <laughs> My simple brain went all tingly for that. You enjoy Mongo attempting to assault Mean Gene with the banana. <laughs> well, I know, because he, he like, pulls it back and he goes like leans in as he's doing it like that. And then Gene kind of goes with it and he just sort of goes, whoop, and presents him with it. Mongo is deeply entertaining. I fucking love Mongo, he's man. He's great. I genuinely love Mongo. And, and, and a lot of people were upset when he joined the Horseman. I think he's bang on. It's, it's, it's the, nobody's going to be happy about every decision, right? I mean, look at us. Every video we're moaning about something that, you know, each of Mate, us has our own personal... positivity. We, are, we all have our own personal gripes with, like, you know, we like this in the industry. We don't like that in the industry. And, you know, we like this style of wrestling. We might not like that style of wrestling. But I think Mongo, you know, as, you know, they had to know at the time it was going to be a very controversial thing with the Horseman having such a legacy. But at the same time, he's entertaining as fuck. And he's got a little dog, and Deborah, and he just works. And he's a gridiron star. Yeah. So there's there's legitimacy. <clears throat> Eighty-five like the bears, man. That's, lot, that, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of bears. Was it, was it most starts? I think in NFL history, I don't know if that record still stands, but it's certainly up there. It not. was at the time mm. a record. So like it, it it adds legitimacy to like the horsemen who say we get the best athletes in the yeah. world. So of course you get the best. Football player. Plus, plus, if anybody wants to look at it going like, you know, oh, I'm a horseman fan. What are they doing with a football player in there? It's like you have no idea how many fucking football players <laughs> became wrestlers. <laughs> but at the time, it wasn't something where it was like, oh, yeah, that's that kid who, who played played in the Canadian Football League. It's Dwayne Johnson. It, you know, it was you just rolled with the character. Exactly. In the ring for VK Wall Street versus Conan. As VK Wall Street's in the ring, IRS chants start. To which they IRS. cut the... IRS. IR, fade it down. Conan's music. <laughs> yeah, they, they want to shut that shit down <laughs> Especially after the last, uh, the last few weeks they've had with back and forths from WWE. Uh, ever since the, the outsiders began to show up. Which was kind of, you know, we're about to get fake Kane and fake Diesel. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's going to be very much, they're our characters and you're misrepresenting who those actors are portraying. Uh, and Jerry McDivitt, you know, just, just, that's his accent, by the way. That is exactly yeah, how that's Jerry exactly McDivitt sounds. Oh, he wants Dark Side. Hello, Jerry McDivitt. Well, McDivitt. <laughs> Charlie McDivitt's husband from off of Ground Force. <laughs> Lucky man, Jerry. Oh, now Larry thinks Conan might struggle to get into the US without the US championship. Apparently, that's now a passport. Well, you know, 
It, it was the 90s. Yeah, I know. <laughs> air, air rules were a little bit more lax back then, Tom. It's <laughs> true. Now, the match is happening, but I'm very distracted by the, the young the young lads who are quite hefty in the front row who are doing the gun show. Yeah, <laughs> throughout other. the whole night, they're kind of getting each other in headlocks and like jostling around. Uh, and it's really funny. <laughs> it put me in mind of one of the earlier wrestling shows I went to when we came to an intermission. And a lad, I was ringing out to him, a lad bounds up to me and goes, mate, can me and my mate have a match during intermission just to kind of keep people interested? Oh, we, and I was like, no, you can't. We had like people try, I think, at one of the World Cup shows. It might have been Germany. I think there was this pissed group of lads there. But I'm sure they tried to get in the ring at like halfway in the intermission. It was like, get the fuck out of the ring. Like, if you get in the ring again, you're gone. Like, you're out of the venue. And it was like, well, I'm just trying to. It's like, you can fuck off, mate. Like, you can't just get into a ring. I break your own neck and then sue us because mm. we didn't stop you. Fucking get out of the ring. <laughs> fucking it. Don't get into a wrestling ring. Yeah, just don't climb over the barrier. Don't climb over the barrier. And if there's no barrier there, don't go further than the ring mats, like yeah. around the outside. If you get just, into a ring, you're in a lot seat. of trouble. Just enjoy stay in the seat. Show. Unless somebody's hurtling toward you, then move out the way. <laughs> I once watched a security guard, me and Jack, once watched a security guard at a house show in Newcastle. Uh, Dean Ambrose at the time saying to the security guard, move, I'm going to dive out the ring because I think it was Seth or somebody was there on the outside and it was like, move. And then he kind of goes down, hits his opponent a bit more and he's like, move, I'm coming out of the ring. And she's just the entire time like, no, I'm not moving. It's my job to sit here. This is more than my job's worth to move. Uh, and he just goes, fuck it. And he hits the dive and just landed on her. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, I told you. Told you Ample warning. Yeah, if you if you're told to move, move. But otherwise, Would stay on your side of the barrier. Dean Ambrose, Dean Ambrose versus Triple H. It might have been because we were meant to get. I think I think we were meant to get Dean versus Seth for the title. Yeah. But then that week, Seth injured his leg and yeah. was taken out. Yeah, because Triple H made the big kind of "I'm coming in." So Trips was, was right. so Trips landed his private jet at Newcastle Airport. Yeah. <laughs> To come and have a go. Like, yeah, I like that. That was good fun. <laughs> and then Triple H lost to Dean Ambrose at Newcastle Arena. Yeah. Good trips. I like that. You know, the the you know, it was it's no Thunderstruck, but it was a it was a good effort by by Paul Levesque. Now, it's even enough this match, which is annoying because Conan's brilliant. Uh, Wall Street throws Conan out of the ring and bangs his head off the steel steps. IRS then uses the ropes to leverage a toehold. Can we just stop there? You can. So you can throw a fucker over the top rope and get DQ'd, but in front of the referee looking at you and going, get back in the ring, guys. Get back in the ring, guys. Get back in the ring, guys. And openly gesturing to you, knowing that he's looking at you and the whole crowd can see he's looking at you. Everybody at home can see he's looking at the people outside of the ring who should be in the ring. Mm -hmm. And then he watches one of them grab the other one by the head and drive him headfirst into the fire. 500 pound steel steps as we come to learn later that's how much they weighed that's fine no dq but you go over the top rope and land safely on the floor don't you fucking done done this is i yeah is it the <laughs> the life of a referee how, how is wrestling so like brawly but then yeah you lob somebody out over you give somebody the bums rush that's too much <laughs> like you can fight amongst the people for 20 minutes, but if you hold that rope for more than five seconds, yeah. you're in trouble. You're done. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> they play loose and fast to the zebras. That's why we love them. <laughs> uh, Wall Street is very sweaty. I mm. bet he's delighted to no longer be wearing wrestling in a suit. Yeah. Conan has a brief flurry, but Wall Street catches him with the Samoan drop that is named the Wall Street Crash. Which is very nice. I like I it. I like that name. 
Conan, however, rolls through on a pin attempt a la Triple H versus Jeff Hardy at no mercy that time to get a surprise three count. Yeah, he gets him in like a crucifix position, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, just snaps him round and that's it, done. That's rolls trips, straight out of there, though. That's how Trips beat Jeff in the, that WWE title match. Jeff landed a swanton bomb. It's about to win the title. Got a two count on Trips and Trips did the crucifix. Got the three and we're like, what? Nice. Give Jeff the win, you bastards. No, never. And... Triple H later would come out and go, oh, I was never really sure about him, to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah, some validity there. Uh, Conan gets a bit of food from the horseman's table, and then Larry goes, has he got a green card? Fucking. It's not the... Cheers, the, Larry. Yeah, it, it's, it's a bit of an odd one tonight for, um, <clears throat> for international stars. <laughs> for xenophobia, yes. <laughs> Tis, rather. Mean Gene is on the ramp. I've noticed he's in a suit jacket, beige slacks, and a stripy shirt. Well, yeah, you've got to be a bit dressed down. We're in Disney World in Orlando. Mm. Everybody's wearing Disney gear. You may as well get your boat clothes on. Oh, I'd loved it yeah. if he had his boat clothes on. I was hoping he, I was hoping he might have just forgotten his kit and was just wearing whatever You he know could that find. his boat ensemble definitely involves a captain's hat. Of course it does. Oh, man. Captain Gene, all aboard, ladies. Oh, he'd have made such a good fucking pilot. Yeah. Why? Oh, like, could you imagine the train announcements? I'd not be pissed off if it was like, your service has been cancelled due to industrial action. If it was Mean Gene. <laughs> you know? Just the buttery golden voice of God. There's that guy on Twitter. I think his name's Joe Marotta. Yeah. And he and he uses AI to create the Gorilla Monsoon podcast. Yeah. Where it's just Gorilla Monsoon and Mean Gene just shitting on people for an hour. <laughs> and, uh, and I'd like him to do train announcements in the style of Mean Gene. <laughs> so, Joe... In the likely event that you listen to this, one, I really love your work, and two, could you do train announcements in the style of me and Gene Oakland? Ah, oh, that would be divine. Love it if he'd do that. Uh, he is on the ramp in his cash attire with Lex Luger. Uh, and uh, is it just Luger or is Sting no, a Sting match? No, he's got Sting and yeah. uh, Savage. Yeah. Savage is pacing mm. around on and off camera. Sting's kind of stood there patiently. I think we get, you hear from Luger first, right? Luger says Ric Flair's probably in his limo or a hotel room. He says a lot of things are happening at the moment. They certainly are. He addresses getting beaten up by the outsiders and says, while Macho Man and Stinger were in Japan, he says, tonight though, they're united and they're taking out the horsemen. United by face paint. Once United again, by face paint. Uh, when Sting starts talking after Luger finishes, he basically starts off by saying, I agree with Mr. Total Package. And I don't know why that made me giggle, but it made me giggle a lot. It's like um, a lost Mr. Man. But he tells he tells Hogan to stick it, essentially, which is sort of mirroring what Hogan said about the fans. Uh, and Sting says he feels like chomping on Horseman tonight. Uh, Savage then wants the Horseman and NWO tonight, both at once, to just deal with it all at once. And, and he's done. This is why Savage was never a promoter. You can't <laughs> pay all that off in one night. You've got to... No, no, but if you keep promising it, yeah. You know, people will believe it for so long, and those are going to be some very lucrative weeks yeah, until they just out. stop turning up. <laughs> string it out for as long as you possibly can. I kind of relate to how um, WCW booked the NWO thing because mm. I had a similar incident at my engagement party, right? So I, I wanted to storm the engagement party with two friends that had just left WWE. Yes. Uh, and, and essentially... We had to come up with an identifiable gimmick name for each of them, but we couldn't. So it was like, we'll just use your real names, but we'll keep the mannerisms from your prior gimmicks. Now, how did it go with Sin Cara? <laughs> uh, and, and who was the other one again? Dean Ambrose. Dean Ambrose. <laughs> it went fine. <laughs> that was one of the issues that I yeah. had. The other was, on the Facebook event group, I had said, bring a pineapple. There's no time to tell you why. Just trust me. As a little joke. Yeah. Right. And then on the night, 
people turn up with pineapples. Yeah. And like a lot of pineapples. And and I leaned into Alex at one point and I said, I haven't got an out for this. <laughs> and she just went, what do you mean? You wrote it. I said, yeah, but I didn't think anybody would turn up with pineapples. I thought it was a little joke. And she went, you're on your own on this one. I ain't helping you. It's the most delicious shit. fruit known to man. I'd have fucking snapped that shit right up. So, I'd have been stripping it down at the table and just eating it. So then I had to, so then people were like, what are they for? And I was like, oh, not good. Oh, I'll tell you later. I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> I got on the mic about two hours in and I went, if everybody, everybody brought a pineapple, please come up towards the dance floor. And obviously Adam Pacitti was one of those yeah. who brought the pineapple. People from BBC Radio Newcastle, like esteemed colleagues. Yeah. And, and gone out of their way <laughs> to go to <laughs> To Tesco, procure an to imported pro fruit yes! in these times. And they're walking towards me. And even then I'm going, I fucking don't know what I'm going to say here. <laughs> to which I just went, the reason I asked you to bring a pineapple is no reason at all. Thanks for coming. Turn the music on, run the fuck away. It all worked out because the bar staff yeah. gave us a free bottle of this very, very tropical, summery style uh, liqueur. Was it Pessoa? Possibly. Yeah, it's And they nice. said, can we use some of your pineapples yeah. to put in it? I said, of course, you can take as many as you want. You should There's have said, 17. Can you fuck? You bring me your best Crocodile Dundee knife and you're going <laughs> to all watch me just get my shirt off and disgustingly eat this with my shirt off and my bare hands. Well, my party's happening around me. <laughs> just, I'm just there. Not even cutting it into chunks. Just, just strip the flesh off and just whole. Just eating it whole like a melon. Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> Going everywhere, You're giving everybody really sticky hugs afterwards. I end up giving some to the venue, <laughs> and then I hid the rest of them in other people's bags as they left. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I hid three in my father-in-law's car. I don't just. I, it's like you've got to. You've got to do something weird with them. But it, it's like, what do you do with that many pineapples? It was just one of those things where. And I, and this is the NWO story. You could have taken them to something fantastic. You could have gone to Weatherspoons and ordered like a plate of soup, a plate of soup, a bowl of soup. No, uh, I want a plate of no. soup. <laughs> Carnage. All right, they bring you your plate of soup, and then they go away, and you quickly change it out for a plate with forty-eight pineapples on it. And you go, excuse me, this isn't what I ordered. This is not what I fucking ordered. Oh my god, you could drive people mental with that, couldn't you? So I asked for a burger, and you bought me a pineapple. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah, you, you did. It's here. Like, I, where am I going to get a pineapple from? Or you could just take Why a chunk of the pineapple and just rub it under car door handles <laughs> all your way home. And then those people in the morning when they go to open their car, it's a bit... <laughs> oh. I'll tell you what I did discover about it afterwards. Was somebody said to me, they said, um, you know what pineapple means, don't you? You know what the, the symbolism of a pineapple means? When you have a pineapple and you turn it upside down, it means you're a swinger. <laughs> Okay. And someone said, like, we thought, like, this was you and Alex. <laughs> and now it's in you were like... Welcome to our engagement party. We want you all to join in with the festivities this evening. Has everybody brought their pineapples? And I was just like, And no, if you've got a pineapple, you've got a queue at a door. Yeah. And then there's a guy there in a bit of a masquerade mask, a bit like Eyes Wide Shut. And if anybody tries to peek through the door, he's just, like, closes it. But they all got to queue up, and then if you present the pineapple, you get given your own cloak and mask, and you're allowed in. That's kind of what they thought. And then there's happening. like 15 people left. The dance floor is just <sighs> steps is just blasting as they're all sat around. Like, what was that all about? <laughs> <laughs> it does explain why why one of my friends has given me the eye ever since. <laughs> Yikes! 
Um, you any... could have set them free as well, just real quick. You could have just taken them to the Tyne and released them like people release doves. What, like chuck them into this Tyne like, like it was a Mobike? Yeah, like all, yeah, just basically. <laughs> or an like, e-scooter. get a handful each or like arms full each and then you just sort of like, be free and throw them. <laughs> Watch a seagull try It's like a celebration a of your love. Yeah, and if a seagull can fish it out, it's going to drop it somewhere like, on the quayside. It'll be hilarious. You just stood around outside Greg's and just pineapple everywhere. <laughs> I would just, I like the idea of somebody walking past and just seeing me holding a, a holding my hands full of pineapples, throw them into the tide and just shouting, <laughs> Stop Forgive me, Linda! <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me, Linda! Did you see that too? Yeah, I did. No context. <laughs> the best jokes are without context. We get the closest look ever at Glacier. Glacier here. face reveal. Bigger face reveal than Dream. And you know that oh, Glacier's yeah. not going to take his back because he's so ugly. <laughs> yeah, and he's also not a. Yeah. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's throwing martial arts strikes in an old building. We are very nearly here. Yeah, he's like, it's like a lit up church, mm. which makes sense. It's the Church of Ice in. in Iceland, probably. <laughs> and he's like Their throwing all go. of the martial arts moves and shit. Uh, and it, it's sort of like you see his gear and you can see that definitely it is not in line with what we saw in the trailers. The Toy Fair people were right. But we're going to persist now because we've put hundreds of thousands of dollars into this and we're going to make it snow inside. That's <laughs> basically what they've done. Yeah. The wrestler on the Glacier promos, according to the Wrestling Observer, is Ray Lloyd, an indie worker from the Atlanta area who has wrestled small-time local circuits for several years and also works for the UWFI in Japan. Blood Runs Cold is going to be a five or six martial arts team doing a martial arts style of wrestling, but only wrestle each other. All right, so what are they going to call... They'll call Scorpio a Scorpio. Scorpion something like Inferno. Yeah. Because uh, you're Glacier Inferno. Like, there's got to be, like, Tornado or something. Reptile would Reptile be Lizard. Would, yeah, Lizard. Unless, yeah, unless they want to just strictly stick to the Mortal Kombat side of stuff. You're going to need what? You're going to need a Sub-Zero, which we've got, a Scorpion, um, Reptile. Is the Cyrax in that count? They're kind of ninja sort of robot ninjas, There was a purple one, right? There was a purple ninja. Ermac. Ermac, yeah. And there was a red one. Was, was, was Ermac the red one? I can't remember. My Mortal Kombat knowledge is sort of lax after the first yeah, one. Yeah, they all just, they're, they're, they're just I like... played 10. I played 10 and loved it. I, know, I need to play 11 because I really want to play 1, like mm. the new one. But uh, yeah, I had, it was that first video game I ever really had was that and Sonic. My dad was just like, there you go. Have some good. <laughs> six years old, just like, yeah. They're great. I like how Mortal Kombat has retained just the horribly gory fatalities. Yeah, it's got to. It, it's a staple, you know, and a bit of gore. You're so desensitized to it after you've watched like a, like yeah. a, a compilation of all the fatalities. You know, it makes you, you a hardened individual <laughs> watching Scorpion rip out somebody's spinal column over and over again and, and, and beat them to death with it. Three minutes in and you watch one who just like literally just rips someone's hand off and you go, oh, that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. A brand new team approaches. They're not martial artists, thankfully. Uh, Tony plugs some impressive young WCW athletes before we go to a vignette that is filmed on the beach. Of just lads getting their kit off. It is lads getting their kit off and walking along the beach. The lads in question are Renegade, Alex Wright, Jim Powers... And Joe Gomez, four very young, handsome guys, taking their shirts off and showing off their bodies. And one of them's German. One of them is a hilarious German. <laughs> I assume they're now officially a faction, or they could just be tarting up a random eight-man job or team. It's hard to tell, because, mm. like, going into this, seeing the vignette, it's like, okay, they're going to put these guys together, it makes sense. You know, all the new guys, kind of young rising stars... We don't really have a lot of eight-man stuff that doesn't involve, like, the horsemen and stuff. Let's maybe see what we can do here. Like, the dungeon, of course. But it's sort of like, let's see if we can put a bit more flavor into that division. Mm. Uh, and then you get the vignette. And they're all taking their top off and walk along the beach. And slow-mo shots and shit. And then when you get to the match, it, it just sort of immediately kind of goes like, well, fuck this. Yeah. Go backstage. <laughs> and it's like, right, so are they a team? Are they not a team? Like, what, what's going on? Uh, the Buff Boys, I've written here, uh, they're in it's, action. It's not just them debuting, is it? No. The Dungeon of Doom are their opponents, and it is Taskmaster, Hugh Morris, a barbarian, and a man they have called the Leprechaun. And it's not Finley, surprisingly. It's not Finley. No. It is a Leprechaun who is frantically running around the ring, screaming and salivating like a wild creature. Do, does Sam Driver know the identity of Leprechaun? Yes, it's Dwayne Bruce. It certainly AKA is. Sarge. 
Sarge D. Wayne Bruce on his third reincarnation in WCW. He debuted in 1989 under his real name as yep. a prelim wrestler. He then earned some undercard notoriety as Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. That was it, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, and then he just becomes the Sarge when he remember, gets to the power plant. Right? Do you remember his tag team partner when he was Sarge Buddy Lee Parker? Nope. It was Lieutenant James Earl Wright. They were the State Patrol. Nice, yeah. State Patrol. Traffic wardens. Yeah. He's now... <laughs> Super Troopers. <laughs> he is now in Dungeon of Doom as Braun the Leprechaun. He will go on to be a trainer at WCW's Power Plant Wrestling School and infamously the guy who'll make Louis Theroux vomit during his wrestling workout. Yeah. There's still the weirdest part of the Louis Theroux WCW one is is it's just when he's sort of he's pushing Roddy Piper about what's in his bag and he's like, hey, there you go, there's some boots and there's a bagpipe and, and it's my gimmick. There you go. <laughs> He's like fucking just opening it aside, like, there you go, this is my shit, right? <laughs> fucking do one. They really didn't like him, did they? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Waldo. Do watch the episode, though, because because Louis Theroux doing the power plant stuff is hilarious. You feel weird when they're making him vom, but then he cuts a promo yeah. at one point as Waldo. Waldo's the lame, London, England, the place of origin. <laughs> it's fabulous. Now, backstage, there is a disruption in our production area. Many uh, One of the camera guys is en route to figure it out. I love the, the organicness of this, where, the, where Tony Schiavone goes, well, there's something happening backstage, to which the cameraman, who's filming at that moment, goes, oh, shit, and just <laughs> runs. But he barely runs. It's like he, he like saunters like this. <laughs> And it's kind of like, it, it, I don't because it, it's it's the timing of it and everything. It's mm -hmm. really like they finally get in the ring. We've got the leprechaun running around the outside being fucking crazy. And then it's just like, ding, ding, ding. Oh, shit, there's something happening. And then every camera just kind of goes to that one cameraman. And then he just goes. <laughs> <laughs> but I love just watching him run to the back <laughs> rather than cut to the back. Now he's running to the back. Uh, we go to the production unit and they're messing around with the fade in and fade out on the controls. Who are there, you ask? Well, it's Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Those pesky outsiders. Fuckers. Uh, they're dicking about with the controls in the production unit, doing fade in and fade out on the TV monitors, mm. laughing at the reverb as well. Yeah, because they're in the master control room, so obviously they're hearing the speaker's mm. feedback through the, the live feed, which is then circling back on itself. Like when you call in a radio show and they ask you very kindly to turn your radio down, but you leave it up so the family can hear, and then you go, hello, 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 hello. That's exactly what Tom, happens. Tom, 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 Tom. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. They start hassling the directors, and Kevin Nash steals a headset, asking cameras to pan to the crowd for their friend. Yeah, they've got a celebrity friend in appearance tonight. Apparently they have. Apparently. They're, we don't see them. Eventually, security turns up, and they move Nash and Hall along. I mean, there's a guy there that looks like Tim Tebow, but it couldn't be Tim Tebow, because Tim, Tim, Tebow? Tim Tebow was like nine at the time. He was like uh, a Christian warrior American football player. Okay. And later, a baseball player. Uh, but he, um, he was... He sounds fun. He was... Um, I believe I remember around the time he was coming in, it was essentially like he was a hot fucking deal. Like people were like breaking their back over getting him, I think. And then he just sort of ended up being a bit of a bust. And then his career kind of just went a bit eh with football. And I think he later went at the baseball and I don't know what happened there, but oh. yeah, but he was sort of, he was one of the kind of first busts I ever saw in real time. I think in sports where it was like, Oh, he's going to be a big deal. Oh, this is going to be in... Oh. <laughs> I think the first bust I ever saw in real time was um, Mrs. Evans, my history teacher in year seven. <laughs> Tom, you dog. What? 
Mrs. Evans, if you're listening. Uh, they get chewed away from the production Pineapples. area. Engagement party. <laughs> Mrs. Evans. Just... She'd be welcome. Jeez. <laughs> I was only 14 at the time, so I don't think she was interested, but maybe now. <laughs> she'd be, you know. There's so many indecent jokes. There's so many indecent jokes. That She's very can't. attractive. I can't, I can't, I can't say them. I can't say them. It's an awakening. <laughs> right, let's move on. Mm. <laughs> That's what the headmaster said. Uh, <laughs> Much love, Mrs. Evans. History on a Thursday was never a chore. Um, Nash invites everybody back to his trailer for pot pies and Mountain Dew. Yeah, Nash is just rinsing them the entire time. Like he takes the the headset off the director, and he's like, "My show, my show," and like kind of just knock it off, and he puts it on. Like the entire time, Scott Hall's just kind of doing the whole like, "Hey, leave me alone, like, I'll sue," and it's just. It's great. It like, felt very groundbreaking. It, yeah, because it, 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 like whatever the fuck these guys are, it's not WCW. And mm. I think that's the thing is like WCW's problem for a long time is that it's an established brand, but it's largely just the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we came at the very tail end of that. And even for us, that, that like eight, nine month period before it started changing a bit was fucking tedious. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly was. So this feels like it's shaking up things a lot. Mm. Back to the match we go. Jim Powers is outside recalibrating, and he gets approached by Teddy Long, who G's him up. Like, get in there and fight the Dungeon of Doom. Don't give up. You're a great tag team. Don't shove me over, though, like, <laughs> that, like that Norton did. He was a prick. <laughs> but this inspires Jim Powers, who gets in the ring and unleashes hell on Which you, Morris. Which inspires the rest of the baby faces to get in. Yeah. It gets a bit tornado-y for a second. Buff Boy's representing. It's a Yeet. schmoz. And then here comes the giant. Paul White's wacker. Hey, hey. He chokes Lance. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet, sorry. Now he's still like... Bad guy music. Giant choke slams all of the dungeon's opponents. That fucking ring sounds like a shotgun. It does, though. I don't know if it's again just because the mics, and that's the other thing, all the mic issues we've been having all night, they've got the out with the fact that NWO went into the thing for the mic issues that come later in the show, but they didn't have it for the start, but it kind of makes sense. A little, mm. a little bit. If you are that anal about detail, which we maybe, are, maybe, maybe they had a mole in there helping them fuck with the mics beforehand. <gasps> maybe they were walking into the venue and they saw a cable and they went, oh, Gene's cable. And they just undid it. You know? I like how Gene has his own cable. Yeah, it's golden. <laughs> just like his voice. <laughs> it's part of his contract. It's actually in the rider. He gets a new one every single venue. He's have a new cable at each venue. Yeah. Delivered to him by a vole. Well, the, the remaining you know remnants of gold from his voice that didn't quite leave the speakers is stuck within the cable. So it has to all be neatly wrapped up and then framed and hung on a so wall in... Flushed through. In, in Turner Head offices. <laughs> yeah. Flushed through and kept in a jar. Yeah, eventually they'll just sort of blow on one end of it like a hose pipe and just... And then they'll have a jar of mean gene-isms. <laughs> And they probably make that into the hotline, if I'm being honest. And then Gene doesn't have to work. <laughs> That's and that is how AI somebody, is born. Somebody rings. They just open the jar. Gene says something. Whatever. It doesn't need to make any sense, as we found out. The fourth man. I'll tell you who it is. <laughs> and that, kids, is how they did AI in 1996. Yeah. <laughs> Essence in a jar. Um, mean Gene enters the ring. Good luck with that. 
his golden voice in tow, uh, to get Giant's answer to Hogan's challenge. Giant took an oath to defend the title whenever and wherever, like Shakira. And he, he kind of makes a little jab at Hogan for leaving WCW behind yeah. and trying to go make it on his own in Hollywood, like he sort of turned his back on it a bit. But he, he embraces the fact that he's been a bad guy because he yeah. says, I've been the cancer in WCW whilst Hogan was off making movies. But now WCW needs me. Yeah. At Sturgis, we're going to choke slam him in the middle of the it's ring. It's like smoking more cigarettes to get rid of bad lung problems. Basically. But if you smoke menthol ones, you know, it's healthier than 10 apples. <laughs> Jimmy tells Hogan that the giant will be ready for Hogwild. Apples and herbals. And oh, he all. just tells him. What does he say? It's like it's going to be like a choke slam. Yeah, he's in the middle of the ring. That's it. Choke slam in the middle of the ring. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, go on. So all of a sudden, the giant has accepted the fact that I've been a bad guy, but now I'm WCW's hope. I'm happy to be the hope. Let's fucking get him. Can I yeah. please get some He-Man pants and a big power belt thing that goes <laughs> over my shoulders? <laughs> and a huge fuck off sword. That'd be amazing. Kind of a giant doesn't have a beanstalk. He comes down from. Like, why didn't they do that? They didn't have to have a huge one, but there could just be a beanstalk in the, the hollowed out entrance bit, just the bottom of a beanstalk, and he sort of just clambers down that especially when, when the ring. Especially when Turner's classic movies could have access yeah, to Yeah, we had fucking Oz. Why haven't we got a big beanstalk? I got Jack of the Beanstalk. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Hart and the Beanstalk. If you did want the big one in massive venues, you could put his dressing room at the top of it so he doesn't have to be bothered. If, if WCW was a little bit more bollocks, right? Yeah. <laughs> you could have had a great bit where Jimmy Hart goes up the beanstalk to see the giant who sat there with his golden goose and the WWE title on the table. And they're like, giant baby, we need you. And he's like, no, I'm up here now. Fee, fi, fo, fum. Fuck off everyone. And Jimmy convinces the giant to come down. And then he, during that match, giant could have come down from the beanstalk. And Jimmy cuts down and it's Jimmy in the beanstalk. Oh, I like it. it's Jimmy in the and beanstalk. And then Jimmy gets the magical um, goose. goose that shits out gold titles. <laughs> Yes, unlimited big gold, baby. Just unlimited big gold. He's just flogging them for a tenner each. <laughs> just re rebirth, like bursting into existence. <laughs> Hundreds of big goldies. Oh no, I'm drowning in them. Anyway, giant Hogan hog wild for the title. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> back in the ring. <laughs> oh, yeah, back in the ring. We just. We just cut into a match. Yeah. We just cut straight into a match. And what a match. It's DDP versus Prince Iokea, not related to King Iokea. And, and soon to be to the with... artist formerly known as Prince Iokea. Oh, it'll be a few years before we get there. Yeah, relatively. Relatively, it's soon. Prince gets a drop kick and DDP knocks his block off with an elbow. We get a gorgeous set of springboard crossbodies from Iokea. DDP throws him into the turnbuckle and on the rebound lands a diving cutter for a nice easy win. It's not IOK's time yet and, and you know some would argue he doesn't ever really have a time uh, but it's he's a dynamic performer and I think it, it was a good showing of kind of like you know when he was coming back a little bit you know it was like he's mounting a comeback he is thinking about it, he's tying all these things together he's got DDP rocked a bit but it was just you know the, the ring awareness just wasn't there and I think that I don't know how they kind of is it Iakea? Is Iakea the reason that, that it never really took off massively? Because he is his stint, his most popular stint, arguably like toward the end, right? It's sort of like two thousand ish time when he becomes the artist. Yeah, and it's kind of by then it's just a bit meh. Yeah, it's, 
he's not bad wrestler, but it's just there's something about. They should that have maybe persona. pulled the, pulled the trigger a bit earlier and and got him really deep in the mix with people like Eddie and, and stuff like that. I think and Ray. He would have been such a great fit yeah. within that cruiserweight, which we're gonna see some of. But I think you know, had we had a more definitive like, boom, this is a whole division. Mm. He would have fit beautifully into that. Speaking of the cruiserweight division, into the break we hear from Chavo Guerrero, little Chavito. Oh. He tells Di Malenko he's had a lot of wars with his uncle Eddie, but he's never fought Chavo. And he will next on Monday Nitro. We get a special look at the Horseman versus the Dungeon Feud before that, though. Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit's and, toilet battle being and, the main focus. And what a fucking sterling job on the edit. Oh, God, yeah. It's got, like, the... It's got Ariel font. <laughs> yeah. It's got, like, um, particle, like, effects on the transitions. It is... Oh, it's such... It's just a slap of, like, Windows 95 beautifulness i love it it is sublime isn't yeah. it it's I, I love stuff that, that that dates the edit in this oh yeah magnificent way i always love when you get a, a layover uh so like a match card and they pull out to like the big wide wcw it happens quite a bit they'll pull out to like a big wide and you'll see like the whole arena and then the match card will come up but you'll still be able to see the arena around the edges because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't quite fill the whole screen <laughs> Stunning. It's like the tiniest little bit, but you can still see it. Yeah. You, just, you can just see like little heads of people as they yeah. do a wide shot. And it's just, oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> it is in ring next. Dean Malenko taking on Chavo Guerrero. It is indeed a Nitro debut for Chavito. Heath. Yeah, and pretty soon. Well, not again, pretty soon. In a bit, he's going to have a little hobby horse. And that is going to get him surprisingly over. Surprisingly but <laughs> over. <laughs> but... Fucking hell, what a start to this match. Oh. It's just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. It is a great showing for Salvador Guerrero the Fourth, who grew up watching his family wrestle and uh, spent a lot of time uh, in the backyard of his Uncle Eddie's learning how to wrestle. Uh, Chavo played a lot with his Uncle Eddie in the wrestling ring, practicing moves on one another, leading to a professional wrestling debut in May 94 in Mexico and joining WCW in May of this year. He had a match against Steven Regal, a dark match against Regal, that got him a lot of interest. And here he is now having a phenomenal back and forth to get us going against Dean Malenko. Despite an offensive flurry, Dean does shut Chavo down with a gut buster, a flapjack, and a high angle back suplex. Malenko's offense continues as hour two of Nitro begins. All the fireworks start. We get the hard switch over to Bischoff and it sounds like Bischoff's presenting the opening to hour two while skydiving. Oh my God, yeah. His, just, his mic is, is so hot. He's just like, hot. welcome to hour two. And he's just like, fucking, you hear it just clipping, like bit crushingly loud. Like, <laughs> what is he talking? The game is And then is Bobby's the like up. in a toilet somewhere, just really <laughs> faintly off in the distance. <laughs> I think it's the NWO's doing. Yeah, uh, well, they kind of address it. They, they do a little throwaway. They do actually, yeah, they reference yeah. the fact that oh, the NWO might be involved in this one. Fireworks are going off as Chavo lands a sunset flip off the top as the hour gets started. Malenko back in control quickly, though. They're turning Heenan's mic in at one point, uh, which sounds like incidental. Yeah, so sorry, they're tuning his microphone in. Because at one point, you can hear, like, incidental Disneyland music playing. <laughs> and I feel like they had an issue with the frequencies, where they, they click the wrong frequency, and they're playing. You can play, yeah. like, some Disney music very briefly here. You can it's hear that the one thing, thing. I, I used to fucking hate. If we ever ran a venue... Um, we so had this happened to you, then? We had, like, wireless transmitters. It was for video, but, like... It, it, um, if you were too close to like an airport, it would just be like, yeah, I'm going to work. No. And it, the entire thing would just be like, and just turn into garbled shit. 
So it's like you had to live, try and learn how to fine tune all of it, but we just didn't have the time to sit down and do it. So it's like cables, fucking cables, get it on a cable, <laughs> 50 meter SDI. It's fine. It's locked in. <laughs> nothing's going to go wrong. It's not going to throw a wobbler if there's too much metal in the room. Like fucking wireless. Wireless is still... Never got my head around it. Still a nuisance <laughs> to this day. Like a wired cable will yeah. always do well, you, you better. It's similar with guitars and stuff, isn't it? If you go to a gig and it's too close to like an airport or a, uh, like a massive port or something, mm. you'll you'll run the risk of picking up frequencies from those places and that just blaring out over the PA while you're expecting a guitar solo or something. So you've got to kind of really dial it in, don't you? You really do. Um, recap, uh, sorry, with this match as well, Milenko ends up putting a beating on Charvo mm. uh, as an uncultured hick starts shouting boring. That made me angry. Someone goes, boring, boring. Fucking Charvo versus Di Milenko. I've got an important, filler stuff. I've got an important question for you, Tom. Where the fuck's Hulk Hogan? That's a damn fine question. Where the fuck's Ric Flair? Eric Bischoff is addressing. You got an answer for either of those? I haven't got an answer. Then why are we watching this boring shit? <laughs> right? This company has conditioned me to equate, and still is conditioning me to equate Hulk Hogan as the creator of wrestling. Uh, as they, they mention him a couple of times throughout the night. And it's like, well, he says that, you know, we wouldn't be here without him. We disagree with that, but you still said it. So you're still you're still telling me Hogan's the fucking big boy. Where is he? Huh? And if he's not Why here... should I cheer for anybody that's not Hogan? <laughs> and if he's not here, I want to know what he's doing. Where's Hogan? Where is he? Is he enjoying a nice BLT? Has he perfected pasta mania? <laughs> How's Mr. Nanny 2 going? <laughs> nanny harder. You know? Yeah, nanny harder. And then it'll be nanny hard with a vengeance. <laughs> It is the question mark over the second hour in Nitro. Mr. I'm Nanny 4, sure. the nannying, you know. <laughs> Mr. Nanny 5, the <laughs> there can be only one. The nanny incident. I was trying to think of other Highlander sequels. The nanny, t- the, na- the nanny end game. The nannying. <laughs> the nannying. <laughs> uh, they're asking where oh, Hogan, Hogan is. Hogan just going and killing everybody else's grandma just so he can be... <laughs> The only one. <laughs> well, not, no, not grandma. Everybody else is nanny, I guess. So he could be the only one. Just... No, I prefer him killing grandmas. <laughs> Hogan, that's not the nanny we met. I could be only one, brother. <laughs> that is what I would like to see. Uh, anyway, as we're asking where Hogan is, Malenko uh, continues uh, to put a boot in, a beating on him uh, with mm. an STF. Chavo donkey drop kicks his way out of it, but gets shut down immediately. The end comes when Chavo goes for a top rope, nothing, and gets Texas cloverleafed. Ah, oh. ah, oh, what a fucking maneuver! So good. One of the fans in the front try and argue with Jimmy Hart as he rocks up at ringside very quickly. Dean then counts two big wins since losing the Cruiserweight title into the camera. Great showing for Chavo. Dave Meltzer and the Observer a little bit critical of Chavo because Chavo's come from a, uh, a predominantly lucha background. Meltzer just wants to know what we all want to know. Where's, Where's Hogan? Hogan? What's he doing? He's just angry. because. And Hogan's if Hogan's not there, is Flair going to be here? Well, you've teased Flair, so Flair better be here. Right. No Hogan. We've seen the other two, but we didn't really see them. They were already backstage. Mm-hmm. So we about seeing any stars tonight? You said Sting and, and Luger and stuff, but we've seen them so much, and they're not Hogan. Contrary Dave Meltzer asking belief. the real questions. Yeah. <laughs> Surely they wouldn't tease Flair and Hogan and not deliver Flair and Hogan. That'd be suicide. 
to do such a thing. I know I'd certainly never tune in again no, for the next I four years of TV. <laughs> I would switch off completely. <laughs> Into the break. What? I don't get fans. <laughs> where it's just like, if you do this, I'm never watching again. And it's like, well, don't watch again. And okay. then the next week they're watching. And it's just like... It's... I think it's, it, it's, like, it's look, like you vote with your feet, right? You don't like no reactions better than a bad reaction. Mm. Like if you if you if you don't want to watch Raw ever again, just don't watch it ever again. If you don't want to watch Nitro ever again, just don't watch it ever again. It's like supporting a football team where you go, fucking terrible game today, Tom. Disgusting. They don't know what they're doing. Fucking manager can't control them. Fucking strikers are shit. They don't finish their fucking dinner. They could have parked a bus in their fucking goal and they still couldn't get a fucking goal. Fucking disgrace. Absolute disgrace. See you Saturday. Like, it's yeah. just, that's how football works. Yeah, so. it's it's just, I think yeah. I think a lot of ardent wrestling fans are the same. Yeah, I get it. It sort of, it becomes a bit of a habit watching doesn't it uh, it's sort of like a lot of people like the attention yeah and um, people are kind of waiting for the next big thing right they're always waiting for the next big age so it's like everybody's sort of waiting and waiting and waiting but then you spend all your time waiting and you don't do it as we talked about at the start you don't take time to look around or enjoy it and enjoy yeah. what's currently happening and that's it it's like if you don't like AEW then don't watch AEW don't waste your Ta-da! time don't, wait, well, don't waste your time watching it if you don't like it and similarly, don't go after AEW fans for enjoying it. Mm. And likewise, if you don't like WWE, don't watch it. And if you, you're going to go after WWE fans for enjoying WWE, what, what are you doing? I always find it funny when people um, go, oh, the Ruthless Aggression era was the best. Knowing full well that there were fans in that era who were like, this is shit, this is shit, this yeah. is shit, this is shit. Oh, it's great. Because nostalgia ain't what it used to be. That's it. It really isn't. It's nah. all it's all a nostalgia trip. And people, I think people just are ready to kick off. Like the the WWE Network has been redesigned. Have you noticed this? Yes, it made me log back in and I was very confused mm. because all of my apps keep making me log back in. <laughs> oh dear. It's just never, my PC doesn't save my settings anymore. I don't know what's going on. So the new look uh, is a bit, isn't as obvious to navigate. Yeah. The shortcuts to episodes have gone. Right. So a lot of people are upset about this. Also, we may have a Bijou problemette on our horizon because, according to the network, they only made 17 episodes of Nitro in 1997. Now, we know they made more, <laughs> but there's currently only 17 on there. The fuck are they doing? I don't. They had more because <clears throat> I've watched Nitro quite yeah. a lot in the past. For some reason, a bunch of episodes. Maybe of they're Nitro. still migrating stuff across. Very likely. Like, you know what? We're only in like we're we're halfway through. Maybe license. they're gonna rewrite the history again. We get oh. a documentary with Triple H going, everybody says WCW this, WCW that, 83 weeks. What are you on about? It ended in the second week of 1997. <laughs> I'm do you looking think, what do you what do you think? <laughs> you think <coughs> you think they were a threat to us? No. Absolutely. We let them sit there. And, and waste away, and all the wrestlers get jobs, I don't know, driving limos and stuff. And then we were gracious, and we gave a handful of the worst of them jobs. <laughs> so it's going to be in it. <laughs> Whilst they do that, they're going to be tweaking <laughs> episodes in 97 Nitro. So I'm looking forward to it as we go, oh, yeah, this is the episode Nitro headlined by Triple H versus the great Carly. Oh, yeah, yeah. it takes place in the war zone for some reason. Yeah, I remember them doing yeah, that. JR's on commentary. <laughs> <laughs> now, so and I, and I saw that. I went online to see the reaction, and there are people going, I'm going to cancel now because this is shit. What I will say is to anybody who does classic review type podcasts, mm. it is a blessing because for the first time on the, net, on the network, you can watch at times two speed. <laughs> oh, well, that's good. Yeah. 
That that's that's beneficial. That's very beneficial. Down for that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Wrestling is so much more impactful when it's double speed. Uh, yeah, I've, it's, easy, it's easier to consume. <laughs> you see how tight those fucking arm drags are, and then you watch it back at normal speed, and it's like, oh, it was just a normal arm drag. You watch it in double speed, it's like, Wah-bah! And you may think that seems quite lazy of us, but I, I there's only so you. much I can put up with of watching that same WCW magazine advert. It needs to be mm. double sped every time. We have a th- we have three hour episodes of Nitro coming up. In a few years' time, we have a six hour WrestleMania. I am down for times two <laughs> and maybe times three speed. How are we even gonna? We're gonna have to come in on like a weekend to do the Mania one. I'm just, I, I'm just, I'm just gonna. We do a two parter. I'm just gonna clear my day. I'm gonna go off rotor for the day. <laughs> I've said to Adam, I may need to go off rotor in 2035. <laughs> and buy a lot of amphetamine on the company card. Oh, we're gonna get off our tits, mate. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. We'll do it on a Friday, and then I'll have the weekend to recover. It'll be fine. <laughs> Into the break, Meng and Jimmy Hart say, where's Hulk Hogan? No, they don't. Meng and Jimmy Hart. They tell, should be. They should be. They tell Ice Train that he's going to be cold after Haku is through with him. Ooh, we're getting... He's going to kill him. Yeah, he's going to kill him stone dead. <laughs> and what happens is when you die, you go cold. And he's Ice Train. And Ice is cold. It's fucking multi-layered joke, that. Wheels within wheels. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Train and Meng is our next contest tonight. And Bischoff straight away makes a cannibal joke. He doesn't blink, does he? Nah, like, straight on. away. And his ancestors were cannibals. <laughs> Didn't need to Whoa! say that. We had what? We had three weeks of uh, what? That was it. Was the it was sadly the done thing at the time. The uh, Samoans have <laughs> the hardest skulls in the world. Uh, but we we have a lot of that. And then it, we just 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 like stripping past that layer straight into the cannibal <laughs> layer. And it was like <laughs> right. Should we still do the hard, the hard skull thing? Yeah, TK Cooper, I think, did it on Saturday. At yeah, I think it's he did. sort of like it's, it's just it became a trope, didn't it? Yeah, and it's sort of like, but it's when you push past that layer to like cannibal, it's a bit like All right. <laughs> this is a little bit, a little bit xenophobic. American Samoa, cheers, Savage. Now, Ice Train is coming out wearing a red singlet, and this annoys me. Why? He should be wearing blue. No, he's wearing red because he wants he wants Scott to to either see how committed he is to the team right. or because he thinks if Scott sees him, Scott will go, well, that's not Ice Train, that's me. <laughs> so he won't punch him. <laughs> Genius! So he's wearing he's wearing Fire's gear to fool Fire into thinking that's Fire, so I'm not going to attack gonna Fire. going to get you, Ice. Oh, you're not. Oh, you're me. <laughs> he's, just, he's like, hold on. No, I'm not going to attack him. Uh. That's Scott Norton. He's tough as fuck. And he keeps walking <laughs> And then Ice Train paints his singlet blue. So yeah. Scott walks past the mirror and goes, Oh, you fucker! <laughs> Damn it! It's happened again. It's why he's not in a singlet. They had to take it off him before <laughs> the show and he's just in normal clothes. Maybe they're sharing one. Yeah, it's like showing a bull a red, <laughs> a red cloth. Oh. Meng dominant from the off. Teddy Long watching on. Teddy's just looking to inspire some, some weaklings. Yeah, Ice Train gets thrown like straight to the floor, right? He starts fighting back there with chops in the ring. He gets a sunset flipping on Meng. You suck, Jimmy chant breaks out. A you suck, Jimmy chant rather breaks out. As Meng goes on the offense, he, gets cl- he clatters Ice Train with a headbutt. Ice Train goes for a slam, but Meng is too heavy. And it's a little WrestleMania 3 nod with Ice Train and Meng that we needed. Outside of the ring... Oh, sorry. Train goes for a double axe handle. Meng catches it with a big savat kick on the way down. And outside the ring, Meng was going to put a beat it on Train. But here's Scott Norton. 
to make the save for Ice Train. Banging Meng's head into the turnbuckle. DQ. What? I it, thought you were enemy. He clarifies it by basically saying he doesn't want Ice Train to have any excuses. Mm. He wants him in full fit fighting condition. Uh, and essentially, he's going to keep him that way till Hogwild because he doesn't want him to be able to say, I wasn't on my game or I was injured or whatever, or, you know, that match took it out of me. He wants to be fighting a, a fully, you know, 100% ice train to prove how dominant he is, I guess. Yeah, he waits until this match is at least nine minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> why do you, why not do it straight away, Scott? Which you just well, goes, you know, you, you, just, you just don't, don't read too much into it. He doesn't want to be facing 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's just, you know, just... just 92. 92-ish, yeah, you know. He's not going to let him go past that 90 mark, but... <laughs> After a recap of Hogan joining the Outsiders, there he is! Uh, and the weeks of interruptions to Monday Night. See, it was on the episode, guys. They did it. They didn't. They didn't break their promise. They didn't show the arena going, ah! <laughs> and people ripping their own faces off with joy. <laughs> I love you, Hogan. <laughs> he he, gonna love you. He made wrestling. It's people with full beards just tearing the rest of it off Can't just to leave the horseshoe. Wrong now. <laughs> you bastard! It's corrupting influence. Eddie Guerrero isn't underestimating psychosis. We find that into break. And he's looking forward to locking horns with psychosis. Semi main for the car crash, lads. Well, Eddie is beloved mm -hmm. at the moment. Eddie can do no wrong. Eddie Guerrero set to face Ric Flair yes. on Saturday night for the US title. Which, you know, fingers crossed for him. Fingers crossed. Uh, once more, we see Glacier in his Ninja Brian phase. He is nearly upon us here in WCW. Eric Bischoff buzzing for Hogwild. 250,000 bikers and you. I can't make it. 250,000 bikers. It's too many bikes. It is far too many There's bikes. There's 9 million bicycles in Beijing. But That's a fact. Yeah. It's a fact you can't deny. I don't know any of the other lyrics. You in, like, I'll love you until the day I die. But I I, I remember that... that uh, Was it Katie Melua? Who was it sang that? I remember the advert being on TV and I remember just being like, what, what is this shit? And everybody losing their minds for it. And my, my whole family, like, what? Like, there's 9 million bicycles in Beijing, right? What, what's fact. the song about? <laughs> what is this? It's her stating facts that are as true as the fact that she will love you till the day she dies. Right. I think that's what it means. Okay. I think it means like, you know... like I want to hear more about the bikes. The How many bells are there in Beijing? Not all the bikes are going to have bells, unless it's a legal requirement, at which point there'll be 9 million bells. I would imagine there'd be some that wouldn't have bells, though. What about um, reflectors? Oh, how many of them have those things you'd put on in the, the early 90s, the, the little beads that go around the, the spokes, and they go like... There are 9 million Monster Munch spokes in Beijing. Yeah. Except there's going to be like at least 100 on each bike. So it'll be like, there are 900 million Monster Munch spokes there are in Beijing. There 8 million Rice Krispies reflectors in Beijing. Yeah. How many, uh, you know, reflective Jurassic Park stickers, Ooh. you know, are there on your bike? I, do you remember the most obnoxious thing I bought for my bike? <laughs> I bought a horn. Oh, like bike. a proper like, <laughs> that one, yeah. <laughs> I got one of them for my horn from Halfords. It was nice. the most obnoxious thing. Mum was like, when do you get a bell? I want a horn. 
I've got a boring bell. I've got a proper like flick and release bell. I want uh, I want one of the ding, ones where you just go like from 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 and make oh. like a really loud noise, or just hook up like an American police car horn, like a really loud one. Nice. It's like the eh, would be nice to have. The traffic would move for you very quickly. Yeah, especially if I had the siren. Mm. There's nine million sirens in. Beijing. I'm getting an idea. If I get a police uniform. <laughs> Well, you did say you wanted to do more stuff outside of wrestling and I make more time to do stuff. So yeah, maybe... impersonating a police officer can be my new hobby. Congratulations on finding your new horizon. What's it, like three to five for doing that? Yeah. I guess it depends on the severity of the stuff you do. If I pull somebody over, then I'm going down for a long time. But if I'm just mm. using it to get through traffic... What if... Surely, because they fucking do it. They use the traffic light. They use the sirens. I, I live near a big set of traffic lights and I live near a hospital. And the amount of, the amount of idle vehicles are kind of stationed on my street because it's a like dead at night and it's a like big wide road you're able to park on it but the amount that will just kind of sit there they'll pull away and as they get down the bottom they'll quickly just flash the siren and lights on go through the lights and then kill it Uh and it's like if you can do that then I can dress up like a police officer and I can drive around with a little hat on that's like a big bobby one but with a blue light yeah here's a moral maze for you what what if whilst you are dressed as a impersonating a police officer yeah you stop a murder. What if it's a police officer in, 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 like, in like a play that's happening on the street and I misinterpret Ooh. it as an actual crime? I didn't thought of that. I thought, of, I thought you were stopping a legit murder. Okay. Would the, would the crime that you committed uh, be, uh, be forgotten about for the sake of you saving someone's Ooh, life? Oh, would it negate the crime? Would it negate the crime? No, I don't would think you, it would. Would you still have to go down for that crime? I think you might, you might get a hefty, hefty, hefty community mm. service and you'll probably spend a bit of time in, in jail. What if you are going to a costume know. party as a policeman and you make a citizen's arrest on the way? Ooh. Well, you're not, you are impersonating a police officer. But it's things like epaulets, right? If, you, if you're off duty, you have to take things like your epaulets off. Mm. So if I've got epaulets and stuff on, then I'm really impersonating a police officer. Especially if I pull somebody over and I've got handcuffs and I'm like, hey, you're under arrest, son. Aren't epaulets those things you do when you're doing yoga? That's Pilates? That's Pilates. Yeah. Yeah. Epaulets are the the shoulder boys. Right. Yeah. The little chevrons. Yeah, they've got the the little rank and stuff on them. What if... Their little rank. (laughs) Your little rank. Your little rank. What if I'm going to a costume party as a police officer? Yeah. I have a friend who is a police officer. Okay. And he said, mate, I've left my epaulets at your house. Could you bring them over? And because you're riding your bike and you don't have pockets, the only place but to you put are them, wearing a dress shirt you're a dress with shirt. shoulders. So I'll, straps. Go, I'll just stick them to my shoulders yeah. for the time being, so they're safe. And then you make a citizen's arrest on the way. Are you going wee 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 while you ride? Yeah, because that's the other part of the moral maze is that you never quite mastered speaking. So all you can go is wee woo wee woo. <laughs> Mate, we. <laughs> <laughs> I left my epaulets at your house. Woo, wee woo, wee woo. Can you bring them? Wee woo, wee woo, woo. <laughs> I think Ric Flair had a similar issue. Uh, fucking R two D two. like fucking. <laughs> it's a moral maze. One for you to solve. Classic at coldaholic.com. <laughs> Can you impersonate a police officer lightly? <laughs> I guess is the question there. If you have an answer, if you are a police officer, please let us know. What can I get away with on my bike may riding I, through town? May we impersonate you? May we impersonate you gently without arresting anybody just to get through traffic lights faster on a bicycle. 
and maybe not even on a motor vehicle, and maybe gets away with a crime. Yeah, um, psychosis versus Eddie Guerrero <laughs> is up next. Fuck it up. The lad in the front row. This is going to be the longest Nitro review ever. We've done all right, actually. Yeah. The lad in the front row is having such a lovely time. He's punching his own leg. Yeah. He's just banging his own Isn't leg. It? Is it this or the main mm. event where he grabs his mate round the head and he's yeah. just like, hey, 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 off the on it. They just had too much sugar. They're on yeah. a lovely day. Ground-based grabs from Eddie and Psychosis here. After the break, they speed up with quick bounces off the ropes and a springboard. Very pro-Guerrero mm-hmm. crowd. Uh, Eddie clotheslines Psychosis over the top. That should have been a DQ. Should have been. It wasn't. No. Furious. He should go and try the stairs. Maybe the stairs are a DQ in this one. Mm. Eddie crossed bodies off the top ropes of the floor. Imagine you had to guess what the DQ was. They don't tell you every time. <laughs> you got to pin somebody. <laughs> Referee counts it, rings the bell, but then raises your opponent's hand. The pin was the DQ. It was a submission oh, match. Oh, what a twisted you world know? of wrestling that would be. Yeah. Keep us guessing all the way through. A Hurricane Rana and a tilt wheel backbreaker get Eddie into the match once more. Bobby tells Flair to watch Eddie carefully because they're fighting for the Cruiserweight title at Hogwild. Not Saturday night, as I thought. Uh, a psychosis powerbomb and a twisting senton puts psychosis in control, but quick as a hiccup, Eddie lands a Frankensteiner out of the corner and a frog splash for the Uno Dos Tres. Which, I mean, it was a hell of a show for psychosis. Mm. Um, ele- uh, you know, elevates Eddie even further. It's it, there just doesn't seem to be any anything bad that can come from working with Eddie Carrero right now no. in WCW. It's just good for everybody and it's good for business. Check these plaudits, right? From the mm. observer. Even though he's doing nothing but jobs. Was it the greatest tag match that ever happened on American TV, even though it wasn't a tag Ooh, match? Oh, you're not you're not a million miles away from what I'm about to say. I was about actually. to say he's just lost mm. that record now, because we've just had a, a new greatest tag match ever. Is that the Buff Boys versus the Dungeon of Doom? Yes. <laughs> even though he's doing nothing but jobs. The folks at WCW are impressed with psychosis. Terry Taylor even called him one of the greatest workers in the history of wrestling. And the talk amongst the booking committee is that he's got more potential for the US than Rey Mysterio Jr. Which is saying something. Like, to look back on that, it's a funny <clears throat> thing to kind of to be like, hey, look how that turned out. But at the same time, I loved psychosis as a kid. It's the- like, it's a very, very unique look. Like, mm. as a kid who hadn't really... I'd seen Liger, you know, maybe once or twice. But, like, I, the the horns and everything and the flippy moveset and the kind of lucha style, he, he was just, yeah. Like, I don't know what it was. I really liked Psychosis. They like him a little bit more than Ray currently mm. because he's taller. Ah. They say they... And there's people backstage see Ray Mysterio Jr.'s height as a disadvantage. And his mask. Get rid of the mask. Oh, yeah. The, the pair ears. They won't win All any, ears. There's no money to be made in selling a mask. No, not, multiple none times. whatsoever. Get some little <clears throat> stick-on horns instead. The horsemen are in action in our main event. Here comes Mongo. Here comes Benoit. And Flair's going to be coming out because the women are there and everybody's mm-hmm. making their way out of the mm-hmm. ring and they've promised us Ric Flair, right? But where's Ric Flair? Well, Is he shooting Mr. Nanny 7? <laughs> Renanimated. In the face. <laughs> Renanimated. And it's like Hogan's Mr. <laughs> Nanny is like blowing apart saving the world at the end of the last one. And then they 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 have to do the do, you know we can rebuild him. We have the technology. But the technology is actually just Ric Flair, so they graft Hulk Hogan's head onto Ric Flair's body. And now like Hogan's kind of reanimated. And then you get the cyberpunk style story where they're vying for control and a flare can control one of the arms. So what you're pitching here is the six million dollar nan. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> oh, with Steve Austin. What? 
Playing both parts. <laughs> Where's Ric Flair? We're back from the break and Arn is rattled. He's looking inside the limo that's parked the outside. The white limo, not the black the limo. The white limo. Mm. But Flair's not in there. No luck. So Arn, who's in his gear, heads to ringside and he takes Ric Flair's place. He has a little powwow with the horseman. And then he rubs his feet and then you know mm. he's in. Bobby Heenan's concerned that Ric Flair might be the fourth man. He might have sold out to the NWA. Well, anything's possible, right? Mm. You know, like, who could have foreseen Hulk Hogan turning bad, telling the fans to stick it, brother? Anybody could be the fourth man. I believe Flair is in Japan this week. <laughs> Part of this logistical nightmare where they've gone, oh, we thought it would take just six hours to get here. No, no, we didn't take into account, like, you know, time zones. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. Never mind. So they just turn it into a thing. Uh, Arn is teaming with Mongo and Chris, and they are taking on Sting, Leg, and Mac. Ten minutes of TV time remain as Sting starts hot on Arn, getting a shoulder block from Mongo to shut him down. Fucking come on, Mong. And then Sting just gets dragged into a corner and beaten for like the next eight minutes. Yeah, he <laughs> takes a shoe in here. Long shot of the white limo. Who is it? Is it the fourth member of the NWO? We'll never it's, Yeah, he's, we're never coming back to it, so we'll never know. <laughs> Sting tries to make the tag. At one point, Mongo is hooking his arm like a pro to stop him from doing it. Yeah. Little touches that Mongo's doing. That's it. Like Sting's always just clamoring for that hot tag. But it just, yeah, when, when Mongo's kind of just got the elbow locked, it was like, yeah, that's cool. Little moments like that I really like. I don't know why it's put me in mind of that, but let's go back to Thunderstruck. Mm -hmm. It was the tag match. It was the Landed Gentry versus yeah. Rory Coyle and Gangrel. And the moment that Rory gets the three count, Benji does this thing where he tries to scuttle out of the ring and Gangrel grabs him and hooks his arm around the rope, holds him there like he's breastfeeding him. Yeah. Just like holds him there. And there's a great photo of Benji just crying as Gangrel's like, you're not going anywhere. And he just holds him there for like a good couple of minutes as the match sort of finishes up and the yeah. hands are raised. I just thought it was a lovely little bit. <laughs> Benji just sobbing and Gangrel not letting him go before he has his head shaved. Oh, it's great. Oh, man. Thunderstruck on Fight Plus soon. Look out for it. Um, so, long shot of the white limo. We don't know who that is. We never come back to it. Uh, Sting tries to make the tag once again to no avail, but Sting manages to backdrop on, gives him a break to tag in leg, and he bounces everybody around. Luke is like a fucking pinball. He cleans house, and then it gets a bit tornado-y again, I think, real quick. Yeah, because yeah. all six get in the ring and go crazy. Deborah tries to take the briefcase full of money from woman. They have a little bit of a disruption at ringside. Mm -hmm. Little malfunction at the junction. But in the chaos, Randy Savage appears. He grabs it out of Deborah's hands and uses it to crack Benoit as he's going up top. And it gives Luger a chance to hit the three count. Or get yeah, a three count just, for the win. Just behind the ref's back as well. Yeah. Like just managed to pull it off and it was all good. Savage has his briefcase back. Uh, back from the break, Arn Anderson is in there with Savage, Sting and Luger. Somebody throws their underwear into the ring. And Gene tells them off and Macho Man's like, no, keep doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Savage is the pervert that we all want to be. Sting says Luger was feeling beat down last week, but now they're feeling mean. He has the inside scoop on the outsiders and says that Hogwild is going to be a really bad day for Leo's and it makes you both Leos because it turns out that uh, Sting's into his horoscopes. Nice. And he says Leo's going to have a bad day. So Why didn't Sting during the crow phase have a whole tarot deal going on? Oh, like, oh that'd been great. Yeah. Like Scarlet from yeah. Carrion Cross. Yeah. He's doing all the cards. Um, Savage says Hogan's going to get beaten up on his way down to the aisle to face the giant. Not even the army 
of the militia can stop him. We've got a date, so don't be late, sucker. And in the middle of all of this, Lex Luger speaks before Macho Man, and the ironing is delicious, as some people would say. Uh, but it's so ironic. Um, <laughs> the, I, I just It really stood out to me because Luger essentially runs the outsiders down for making a mockery of the business that, uh, you know, he... Luger's somebody who a lot of people refer back to as like a money guy, yes. kind of like a warrior. Like, I don't really give a shit about wrestling. I'm more here because it's, you know, it's paying well and I've got the body for it. Uh, but for him to be like, you know, this great industry that, you know, worked really hard. And it's like not taking anything away. Of course, he's worked hard to get to where mm. he is. But I, I don't know why. It just tickled me. Something rotten. I don't buy him as like, I'm pro. Way, way back in the day, WCW. I do. Like way, way back in the day, the, the, the late 80s, mm. when he was kind of on a little bit of a tear. I, I buy him as that credible kind of company guy. But it, it, I don't know what it is. I think, yeah, after the, the little well, WWE stint and, and all of that. And well, it's because basically he's saying these guys who came into our company from the other place to try and run it, run it roughshod. I am angry because that's what there. I did in yeah. 1995. <laughs> I <laughs> and it's what up. Macho Man did. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's only Sting, really, that's got Sting's the true the only, gravitas. Yeah, Sting's the one that can be like, all of you bloody outsiders. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm like you. I don't buy Leg Luger as somebody who's like, I just love the business. And that's fine. Yeah. I think if Leg leaned into the fact that, oh, hang on, they're getting more money than me, fucking kill them. <laughs> like, that would be more real for me. Yeah. And I wouldn't be cross with it because then you've got three people from different sides of the WCW track mm. that want to get them gone for different reasons. For Sting, he's like, well, this has been my home forever. And you're going to try to I want it. all the belts. Yeah. <laughs> this is Savage who's like, Hogan's a fucking prick and I knew it all along. Mm. Let's take him down. And there's Luger who's like, they're getting paid more than me. Fuck that. Get them. <laughs> But all the same... He's not stealing my star anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I went in to steal his, and people did not accept it. Exactly. And now he's coming in here, and now he's fucking Taking hot shit jobs. again. He was hot shit already, and now he's reinvigoratedly hot shit. Exactly. Not having it. I want that. I will slam him on the USS Intrepid. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all from the same place, but with different agendas. Yeah all combined and united in the fact that they want the fucking NWO gone. I like, I would prefer that. Yeah. To everybody going, Pred in WCW, fuck that. You're all in WCW because they paid you a lot of it's, fucking just money. Just to go back to the, 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 the Dungeon of Doom where it's like we are interdimensional, very strange, weird, man, magical, satanic yes. cult. Uh, we exist in our own plane. We have our own literal universe that we, we inhabit. Uh, but also, you know, like it, that's... It's just going too far to come in here and, and you know... Respect you, and contract. You know, you've got to respect the office workers. What are they going to do if you run the company <laughs> at the ground, eh? What are they going to do? What's, what's Shelley from accounting going to do, eh? I bet you're not going to pay anybody, are you? So you're not going to pay Shelley. <laughs> and it's like, but you're evil. You're like monsters. Surely you should be kind of, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And you were at war with... If, for everyone, for everyone, there should be a different reason to hate the NWO. It's like, for me, it was like they went after Hogan because he's a symbol of, of everything that was kind of wrong mm. rather than just going after Hogan because he's Hogan. Uh, and I thought it was more of a, you know, anti-Hogan and anti the direction he was taking WCW in. And then, I don't know, it feels weird that it's all kind of a bit like everybody's banded together, but at the same time, I like it. It's, it's weird. Yeah, but I just think for different reasons. I think that the Dungeon of Doom, they should have done a sketch with the Dungeon of Doom go in the dungeon going, ah, father, we're having a lovely day. And then the NWO cover just fill it with petrol. 
This place is have, shit. They're trying to have a picnic on some weird volcanic heath. And along they come and they just they just muck up the blanket. <laughs> just trot all over their sandwiches with their boots. Father, they ruined our picnic. <laughs> Get them. That's and it. Get a Benny Hill chase sequence. <laughs> Yeah. And then everyone hates the NWO. They all, At one they all point, come... they go through all the doors like Scooby-Doo style, <laughs> and then out comes Kevin Nash's Oz, and he's like, hold on. Runs oh, back in, yes. comes out as Kevin Nash again, and keeps going. Comes with his Razor Ramon, and it's all digitised, and yeah. it doesn't sue them. <laughs> That'd be fucking amazing. One door pops open, it's Ed Leslie's going, shh. <laughs> Doug's back through. <laughs> That's how I would have done it, but it's not my decision. So that was Nitro. That's just how it ends as well. Gene, it's, it's sort of... Gene ends by saying, oh, I wonder, wonder where the exhaust from the Harley is going to end up, suggesting that, that on the pay-per-view, Hogan's going to have a car exhaust shoved up his arse. <laughs> Nitro. <laughs> no NWA reveal, nope. as was teased. No Hogan. No flair. No flair. No exciting show closer. No reason. Well, you get you know you get an exciting kind of moment, but you don't have the usual chaos. I guess is what I'm yeah. getting. Yeah. You don't have the it's usual like. Calm. That's all. That's all we got. It's very much jeans, just kind of like. And that was your lovely episode of Monday Nitro this evening. You have a wonderful night at home. There is Go Valley yourself, Kiss Angel coming up later. Uh, see you in a bit. <laughs> Meet you all at Danny's. And, uh, <laughs> and I'm Veronica Corningstone. <laughs> Thanks for stopping by. Uh, yeah, uh, not, not that I thought there was some decent wrestling in here. I enjoyed oh, God, Eddie and yeah. Psychosis. Eddie Psychosis was amazing. I Chavo and Dean was fun. Wall Street Conan was fun as well. It was, yeah, it was it wasn't crap, too bad. but it was fun. It wasn't too bad. I like the IRS chants. Yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Glacier face reveal. Not We've a been waiting yeah. months for that. Not a massive fan of other promises that were sort of not kept to about things that were going to happen. Well, they can't predict, you know, how long flights take, even if they saw on the tickets and they can't look at time zones quite as easily because it's, it's the nineties. One final note from uh, the wrestling world this week, uh, this week, uh, the FTC has approved a merger between Turner and Time Warner. I don't know what bearing that'll hold into the future of wrestling, but it's... Uh... I'm sure that it's going to secure a bright future for WCW, all of its talent, and it's going to make sure that it finally and definitively wins the Monday Night Wars. We're just going to have to wait and find out. We'll find out together, won't we? Hey, you may have seen this week uh, a chap going viral on the YouTube once again. It's a clip from 2017 of a wrestler leaping off a wall, aiming for a table, and missing the table completely. Oh. You may have... Has this, has this come across your timeline? I know a few people have... No, it's, it's done I, the rounds it, once again. I've not had it pop up for me. Done the rounds since 2017. It's gone viral again this week. Uh, it is an elbow drop dropped by Marcus Everett. Ooh. And I had a chat with him last night about the clip. And you can <laughs> listen to that on the podcast feed right now. We get a behind the scenes on a moment that very nearly could have ended his life, but he tells us why it didn't. Ooh. Among other things, in. it's on the podcast feed and the Patreon, should you be so inclined. And for the latest wrestling news throughout the day, you can check out cultaholic.com. Uh, until we are next together, he's at the Sam Driver on Twitter. I'm at Tom Gamble on Twitter. Together we're at Cultaholic. Well, we shouldn't do it this week. It should be... And that was your, oh, yeah. your weekend... No, that was your... Sorry, you I'm not used it. to this. We're used to usually screaming because it's WCW here. Um, but that was a refreshing episode of Nitro that ended without any drama. Um, and so this podcast is... Uh, hold on for the watermark. Wide shot. Over. Meh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
for all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes. Search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.